If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. Oh gosh, it's like a million. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried, the girls bro. are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either going to Welcome to the Winner's Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan. And we are here to cover both episodes three, Go for the Gusto, and four, Vibe of the Tribe of Survivor, season 42. So, yeah, uh, we skipped last week uh, scheduling things. Um, it was a busy week, but we're back. And two interesting, an interesting couplet of episodes to discuss. Yeah, and like as far as episodes to miss, last week was a lot of fun, but like half the episode was Tribal Council and the challenge, and I think there was a reward challenge too. We wouldn't have had that much to say anyway, honestly. It was like cool tribal, a cool moment, but there wasn't much like flavor or anything like that it was just some events happened and and that's how it was gonna like they had they, they didn't have that much time even to explain what happened so um as far as episodes to miss i'm not too upset it was this one yeah i guess you could call draw comparisons to like episode three from 41 but in the sense that this one was way more fun than yeah. the last one was so um they just managed their their time better and there were good interesting moments to capitalize on there so yeah um but then yeah that totally really right. like both 41 and 42 have an episode three that feels completely alien to the rest of the season in a way like it's just like a bottle episode the difference is that 41's was really bad and this is one like breaking bad's the fly or something that was actually kind of cool and interesting little case study of this tribe um that was that was pretty fun and it actually will propel dynamics moving forward it just felt a little bit foreign, a little bit different than everything else around it. Like, the story kind of took a pause overall. Yeah, and it won't hurt us too much that the tribe that was completely ignored in episode 3, I mean, we have to acknowledge that story-wise, um, went to tribal council in this episode, so that helps balance it out. Yeah, and, no, for um, sure. Like, last week we were like, what do we even say about Ika, right? Like, <laughs> they were not on the show at all, so, um, like, really at all, um, which made it w- would have made it a weird episode, but but this as like kind of, kind of a two-parter actually works pretty well, right? Uh, Ika ends up going to Tribal. They get a lot of the content this week. They get pretty developed. And like, I thought four was also a pretty fun episode. Yeah, there have been no bad episodes so far, I feel. I'm really pleased with this season. Characters challenges everything it's it's working out great um but yeah these two do work together well in where it sort of does make this full arc for for every tribe here i mean taku is the one that didn't go to tribal council but they have a really interesting group of four there with Mm -hmm. what jonathan is doing and what marianne is doing um so yeah it's sort of interesting right that there's a tribe of four and there's two i mean going into this episode and two tribes of five and the tribe of four feels so much stronger than the two tribes of five but like they they have fewer members right like they feel unstoppable but like they only have four members it's it's super weird i know one of them is now four as well but 
it's just such a weird, weird situation where the stacked tribe just lost somebody through effectively like act of God, right? Like just complete like contract negotiation or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that has definitely changed the season and right. I like, think Jackson also having... totally still be in, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think so. Jackson makes um, merge. <laughs> yeah, that's what we thought. So, so yeah, that's definitely changed the the way of the season where it seems like Taku is down, but actually they're clearly by far in a way we've maybe not seen ever the strongest tribe like the tribes with more members are like how are we gonna stop this unstoppable small tribe like they like trim the fat and now they're unstoppable uh it's, it's really wild um and like the only time they lost was when uh jonathan had to do a puzzle on his own basically yeah yeah it's a it's a curious story moment there like what does that mean um but yeah very interesting to see especially on survivor season 42 where sometimes we think the challenges don't matter as much so yeah no and it's fun like having somebody like jonathan be so good at the challenges sort of because i think one issue like and i think when a lot of people um online especially complain about like oh the challenges are all the same and they haven't been creative and all that sort of stuff i think one thing that they're also kind of saying without maybe even being cognizant of it is well i hate that they're always so even because if all the challenges feel kind of even you never really know who's doing well so it, like oftentimes in survivor challenges it just feels like a bunch of people doing stuff and then randomly somebody wins right whereas having somebody like jonathan and the rest of the taku tribe not to diminish their performance just like completely slay these things by like wild records you know what i mean like it just is like it's not even close gives so much more context of how hard the thing they're doing is like how exceptional these people are it just i feel like it adds so much more story and drama than every challenge always coming down to a breakneck right at the end because it's like mm -hmm. You know, oh, Lindsay doesn't throw the ball right one time and that's why she leaves versus, oh, this tribe's just better. And you have no doubt that they're better. Uh, you know what I mean? Like sports aren't fun if it feels like it's a, a coin flip. It, it's fun when it's, ooh, an actual test of strength or wit or, you know, intelligence, whatever, between two people is actually matched and measured. That's what makes a good sport. And that's what's been good about this season challenges is that it's actually showing that not necessarily anything production has done. It's just the, the difference differential between them is bigger so these gimmies at the end these carnival games at the end aren't actually the difference makers mm -hmm. i think it's a tricky balance where it's good to have seasons like this where challenge strength does matter in all parts of it puzzle and physical but then you've also got seasons where this matters too much and then it's just a total landslide each time yeah. and you don't have interesting results so um i think so often we see it swing the other way where it is quote-unquote even, and then it's interesting to see it go the other way. And also, because of things like Jackson's leaving or the one challenge Taku didn't do so good at, it's more even than yeah. you might think. Yeah, like, they haven't won every challenge. Like, usually when a, a challenge, like, there's a tribe that's just, like, clearly better, that's, like, the Pagong tribe, you know? Like, the, the fear is, oh, at the merge, they're gonna pick everybody off because they've won more challenges and they have more numbers. And usually, I feel like those tribes are also the more boring ones, and so you're just waiting to see your favorites get voted out at the merge with no chance. Taku only has four, because, like, might be a good pitch, like, cast somebody on the show, on the stack tribe, that, like, can't pass physical or whatever. 
and gets removed day one. Do that every few seasons. That might be a winning formula because you have this theoretically underdog tribe, but they're not underdogs at all. And so that's actually kind of cool. You know, it's more like a handicap match or something. Like they're they're winning with a hand, like their hands tied behind their back, which I, I find very interesting. Um, I think there's a number of other cool things in this episode so like one thing i really wanted to highlight is a couple of seasons back i think this was during edge of extinction we caught on to you know what seems like they're not doing recaps anymore and i think they had mixed success on certain episodes felt like well why wasn't there any fallback from the previous episode this week i wanted to highlight as actually a really good one with um high kind of narrating what happened at the uh jenny vote out and all the machinations there i thought that was actually a pretty interesting little uh discussion that he had of going through and being like he has no like daniel has no backbone he really screwed his game here's the moment where i knew i won this negotiation all that stuff was really fun and much more fun than if jeff probes had said and daniel tried to negotiate but he said that he wanted to play rocks and like it's just way less good than this version where you actually have the people authentically uh kind of recap their perspective it's definitely a whole lot better than recapping god's eye perspective from jeff probes and yeah i mean that's something that i've i've really liked in terms of uh the season is that sort of like willingness to shift time where a appropriate right so oh we don't have a recap so we're gonna have um we're gonna devote more time to tribal council um at the jenny vote because you know that's what's interesting here and you've, we didn't need a couple scenes of ika talking about who they're not gonna vote out right they chose intelligently i think to cut ika out of that episode because they're gonna lose the next one we saw this last season as well i think it really threw a lot of educators through a loop because they're like, wait, uh, Luvu wasn't in some episodes. That means they can't win. But really, I think it's very clear they've just shifted a little bit to, well, if episode two, there's nothing good, but they're all about episode three, that's okay. And that's still a cogent story and the audience is going to get it. You can drop people out as needed. I actually think there's a really smart, good path for Survivor to go down. Not just, you have to have the generic, I'm on the beach confessional, you know? Yeah. I definitely agree about the recaps working out. It does take this sort of prescribed time to um, have Jeff sort of always recap what's going on and instead give that to the people to go back and have these flashbacks if they're needed. But also, you're right, it gives time to other things. And it seems like such a small amount of time, but it can it can make a big difference. So, so yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And like in general, I just think it's it's a good rule of thumb to put the good stuff on TV. Like, I think we've gone a far way away from, like, the Michelle Fitzgerald win, where it's just, like, cramming people into moments where they don't belong, so you're not putting the best stuff on TV. Like, save the moments for when Michelle's awesome, right? Like, when she's yelling at Nick and all that sort of stuff. That'll convince the audience she deserves to win. You don't have to just drop her randomly in these scenes that don't make sense, right? I, I really like that this is the approach they're going with, um, and I think it's made these episodes pretty fun. Like, I thought this whole Ika tribal was awesome. Like, I think they told the story amazingly. I think all the characters delivered. Their motivations were clear. Where Swati went wrong was clear. Uh, like, everything was just good. Like, they just, they nailed it. They flashed back to previous moments, um, like showing Swati telling people, hey, I'm your number one, I'm your number one, I'm your number one. All that stuff was really, really captivating, I Thought. Yeah, for sure. I I really appreciated that what they did with Swathi this episode where I feel like they showed something that happens so incredibly often. Like tons of players are out there telling every other player 
um they're their number one and i think like i think a lot of the scenes were like very particularly cut right before the person swathi was talking to said that very line yeah. back to them so so yeah i think they they're doing clever things here and it really helped to show the story here i mean i feel like we've got some easy boots this season but in one that was actually maybe not the easiest to show they did a really good job of showing it. Yeah, they they really rise to the occasion here. And I think there's also some cool stuff. So you have Mike talking. I believe it was last week to Daniel. Like, I thought I was your number one. Like, all that sort of stuff. Like, you have a... What I've noticed this season is they are laying the seeds for things very clearly so that when they happen to somebody else, it's like, oh, like like one person trips on a wire. And then the, when the next person trips on that wire, it's a disaster, like a boulder falls from the sky and lands on them, right? Like you have Daniel in a previous episode um, talking to people saying, hey, I'm your number one. Mike calls him out like, hey, I thought I was your number one. Uh, and then in this one, you get Swati really get the, the hammer dropped on her for that, right? Um, same thing with like in episode two, you have Daniel losing things and and all like there's a lot of talk about losing things and and same with in the premiere and then in episode three obviously it happens again like i i really like that they're kind of layering these story beats like all the plot elements that are really cool they're keeping they're like if there's a relevant moment in the past they're putting that in the episode so when it happens again you're like oh my goodness i can't believe this happened so much you know mm -hmm. yeah lots of setting up once again i feel like with swathi it was like a lot of subtle things that people were picking on almost as though she were a winner contender but you look sort of back at that and be like oh swathi was always someone who was sort of trying to puppeteer behind the scenes and the drama mm -hmm. of ika and i think that really worked out well i hope we see other bits of that throughout i mean we we don't know how things are going to play out, but hopefully we can come back once someone is eliminated and say, oh, look at all these little, not even um, clues or like um, foresight, but just like the things they put in to make the story more rounded. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty like optimistic, honestly. Like, I think they've done a pretty darn good job with all these things. And also like just telling the story of how Tori goes from the bottom to actually having a good amount of control it, or maybe not even control but safety like how she like this was a really well executed like cockroach round right like she and we totally got it like she was in a lot of danger uh swatty tells her a little bit too much she uses that to dig her grave right like i thought it was really well told and you could see it on the tv without it being even an obvious boot like i think there was some level of doubt whether it would be tori or swati they're leaving um so i don't know i just have nothing but positive things to say about the way this episode was constructed like it's awesome mm -hmm, for sure and yeah i mean we continued uh i think all the characters are popping in a good way like i'm i'm really excited for the merge they didn't do a ship wheel island here like there's just a lot of stuff like they're you can tell they're being pretty smart about what to show what not to show the production seems to be like last season we were very critical of the production on the beach like it just seemed like a total disaster they seem to kind of have their stuff together on this one i mean knock on what could still be bad but and that's so weird because it's like in the middle of a production cycle like you would think oh maybe 41 and 42 are going to have the same sort of ideas and therefore both be bad but instead we're getting 41 which was very like um an introduction to survivor like just teaching you things there's the game within the game and then 42 is this like well-rounded picture that is very different and not hand-holdy in any way. So I'm glad to see it. I don't know quite how it happened, but I'm glad to see it. It probably means that they immediately realized what they were doing was wrong, but couldn't change it. You know, like, mm -hmm. um, 
that's the vibe it gives me is they're like, oh my goodness, why did we do this? It's so bad. Like maybe even on TV, like maybe Jeff does have more of those like talking to the camera moments filmed for this, but they realized the reception was very bad. Like that could very, very well be what happened here. And they just said, you know what? Cut it all. And I think it's helping, right? Like, so, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm very optimistic. I'm happy with the season so far. Uh, any other like general thoughts on this episode? I do not have anything. Oh, I actually have one. Uh, Vibe of the Tribe was a terrible episode title. That's like <laughs> in the middle of a Jeff question. To it's dread. not even verbatim. Like, no, he does not say he says vibe of this tribe or I don't I know. Disappointing. Yeah, no, I was like <laughs> that one. I was like, what? Like, come on. Like, I hate when Jeff probes gives himself the episode title. I know it's probably not him specifically doing it, but it feels like it's him. And it just feels wrong, you know? Yeah. And, like, it wasn't even, like, a memorable moment. Like, it's literally Jeff says it, and then Drea's in silence for, like, six seconds. I think she was more thrown off by Jeff saying that as opposed to, like, trying to put into words what's happening on Ika. I mean, both are are tasks in and of themselves, but... (laughs) Yeah. It was weird. Like, it was just, I don't know, not a fan. Uh, (laughs) Don't do it again, Jeff. And, I mean, it really should have been that dinosaur one. I thought when... Mike is a great... We'll get there, but Mike is so funny. He might be my favorite. (laughs) Uh, He's like, I gotta adapt from a dinosaur or Kumbaya, whatever. That one was so good. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, and that brings us here to the stories of the season part of the show. Um, Where basically we try to figure out what this story is actually about. The themes, the motifs, all that good stuff. Uh, So, the first one we have here is mostly in episode three, I think. But this idea of the monster in the horror movie. So... Uh, and as a brief aside, so we've talked about this one a lot over these last two seasons, and evidently, uh, I saw a tweet from Erica, who said that she actually mentioned this in a confessional that wasn't aired. Like, that's where it was coined, seemingly. Um, it somehow didn't make the TV show last season. Um, I don't know why, maybe Jeff wanted it to look like he did it himself, but it's definitely a theme this season, and I think it's pretty kind of like an interesting... Fun fact that way. Yeah, I wonder if if Erica mentioning it, maybe it doesn't fit as well because there aren't great monsters or definitely not characters they want to term as monsters. Um, maybe in the same way there are here or there's conditions that are monstrous um, or like horrific. Um, but yeah, as regards to these two episodes, um, definitely the the frightening nature of the challenge last episode um sort of qualifies for this i think we've certainly never seen something like that on survivor before where it's so wild and turbulent i think there was like a ghost island challenge where the waves were kind of big but this was so intense and yeah it looked like someone was gonna drown it was yeah one thing we didn't get to say not covering that episode is kudos to the camera people because mm-hmm. they did amazing work capturing the sort of tension and fear of that. So that really does yeah, help really build did. into this. I know I'm sort of scratching my head now thinking of like, how could this have shown up in episode four? Um, I don't know if I have a good answer. Just the monstrous performance of Taku. <laughs> but... You know what it would be? It's like, so you have, uh, like, I would say that a part of this for sure, and this is one I wanted to bring up, is 
how they talk about Jonathan. They describe him as Goliath. Uh, they describe him as what was the? They also compared him to a like a Thor. Greek hero. Thor, right, right, right. Sorry, a Norse favorite hero. Greek hero. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, my favorite, my favorite Greek hero, Thor. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, like, you know, what I mean, like that's part of it too, right? I, spe- I think especially Goliath, right? Picturing. Uh, you know the best survivor tribe in history or you know the obviously giant man right so that's i think something to it too is just how like bitter and mad they are that jonathan's on the other tribes and how scared they are of him you also have i thought quite a grotesque scene when they get the fish and jonathan is ripping them in half with his hands that is true yeah like, and that was, like, extremely graphic and zoomed in, and, like, they were not pulling the camera away at all. He just looked like, he looked like a monster. <laughs> like, just ripping fish in half with his bare hands. Like, and his hands on the fish guts and spine and stuff. It was, it was gnarly. Yeah, definitely. I think another... I don't know if this is a different theme entirely, but sort of what I think of thinking of all these is sort of the extremity of it all, like the extremeness of Survivor or like big moments, big characters, big things happening is sort of where this builds in. So in this one, you could sort of say Taku's performance is very, very grand and extreme. Um, And that's where it comes in here. But it also could just not show up every single episode so no absolutely i think that's definitely a good point for sure and i mean the only other one i kind of want to flag here is it's also jonathan is his like origin story is like a super villain like uh peacemaker and hit show peacemaker has like the same origin story of like my dad made me do pull-ups every day and go run on the mountain up the hill. And if I didn't go up the hill fast enough, I had to do it three more times. Like, <laughs> definitely giving uh, monster vibes. Um, it's like like Jason Voorhees' origin story, too. Like, I... I <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's a lot of connection there with Jonathan, with this Taku tribe. Like, last like two weeks ago... Last time we recorded, we were talking about it with Marianne and like the here's Marianne and it's all over this season when you really look at it. It's just in weird spots sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. I think we'll talk about Jonathan first when we get to castaways, but my sort of read is that maybe he does become this very unstoppable yeah. force and the season can be all about when we actually have the chance to get rid of Jonathan and like really like sort of a killing the boss story. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if you think about it, like, like one, uh, I think it's one of the zombie land rules, right. Is the double tap, right? Like, you know, you, you, or, or scream, right? Like you kill the bad guy. It's all said and done. You're good. And it comes back to life. And one last time. And that's where it does. It's real damage. Like that's kind of like a horror trope. I think expect that kind of thing. Like he might just be, truly unstoppable maybe this tribe's truly unstoppable i don't know i think the hints are there though for that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and more people to cover the cover themselves in blood um <laughs> yeah i mean 
Uh, additionally, I think we have still this idea of like the most well-rounded person will win the season. Uh, this is from that Matt scene on episode one. I watched it back this week, and it's even more, I think, in your face in that episode than I think we even realized. Uh, I really do think this is going to be key all over the place. And I think what's interesting is you have a number of characters that are slotted into well-rounded or not well-rounded at this point. Um, and that's kind of interesting, right? Like, Roxroy is not well-rounded, right? For example, like, he is bossy, really, and that's it. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas, um, you know, you do have people like Hi, who I think are presented as fairly well-rounded, all things considered, you know? Yeah, I think this theme is definitely very important to the season because of the way they are really focusing on not really strengths and weaknesses, but like what people's biggest traits are. Like, obviously, a main storyline right now is that Jonathan is strong, a beast. He's going to win lots of challenges, Hurtaku. And what does that mean? I think you're also getting weird bits about how, like, there's moments in this episode where Omar, Omar is, like, not the greatest. Like, he misses his first basketball shot. Um, he pushes the key away from them in the immunity challenge. Mm -hmm. And so, like, what what is that saying? I'm still trying to piece together. But you're right where it is really present in everyone. And you get moments where... It's either these extreme, here's, there's that word again, extreme, or it's like a, I am this, but I'm also this, like trying to be multifaceted or showing all sides. Because I think you get that with Tori, where she's like, I wanted to do this, but I need to do a different thing now. Um, Mike, we'll get to this later because we have it under a different theme, but he talks about adaptability and mm -hmm. like he was headed one way, but now he needs to take a different tactic and he's really been a figurehead for that because in like episode one he talked about how people see him as a very physical like tough gruff person but he's not that so so yeah, yeah i think this is definitely like maybe not the primary theme but it's sharing that sort of spot with the next one i think yeah no i absolutely agree with you there and these two kind of go together i think in a way um, but we'll get there. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is one that honestly, looking back at the last 10 seasons of survivor, they tell you kind of what the winner's going to look like from the start, basically, or at least what the winner's journey is going to kind of look like. That's been a pretty in your face, right? Like the, uh, the beach, um, or the marooning, right. Where it's like, Nick is talking to Jeff. Like, obviously like th there's those stinger winner lines that have become more and more apparent but i think even more importantly they're like setting the stage very clearly like i, I, I you weave that and you pretty much know that david's gonna win right uh it's gonna be like a come from behind underdog win i don't really know if that's what we saw in the season but it's kind of what they portrayed um i think you see that over and over again in these and i think it's i just to me well-rounded usually when i'm thinking about these things it, it's usually code, right? It's code for what this style of play is going to be. And to me, well-rounded means it's going to be somebody in the middle of a group. Um, maybe not the flashiest, right? Like, well-rounded is another way to say, like, 
you know, McDonald's is pretty well-rounded, you know, as far as food goes, right? Like, um, isn't it not your favorite food or anything like that, but it's pretty good. It's, if you need a, a salad, you can get a salad. If you need a burger, you can get a burger. It's a fairly well-rounded place. It's not like this wild endorsement of a person, right? Mm-hmm. I yeah, think it's, it's not saying they're exemplary in all mm. aspects. It's saying they're okay. <laughs> Yeah, they're good enough, right? Is what all rounded means, right? Like yeah. Mario in the Mario games, and like, and like Mario Kart has all the same stats, right? Like he's average. That's another way to say well rounded. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what I'm looking for. Last season, I was waving the banner pretty early. Like they don't like the winner, you know. Like you can tell. Um, there, there's so many themes of like coming from behind and being unexpected, and I think we saw that. Like I think Eric is great. But I don't think that they were extremely happy she won um, and, and did not present her very strong at all. Um, and I think this one, if you're going like power level wise, my guess is we're going to be looking at like a six out of 10 winner, uh, like a little bit above, maybe like a seven out of 10 winner, like not somebody that they're wildly enthusiastic about, but like, yeah, they did the job. Kind of what I'm leaning. Yeah, I think. The way I'd put it is this theme sort of makes me think it'll be much more conventional, the path to the victory. Not to say it'd be hard to get Erica's level of unconventional, at least how it's shown and what happened, but I think we shouldn't be expecting another one of those, which is hard, I think, because we're so close to season 41 and we want to see and we think, oh, Survivor has this new sort of syllabus for how how edits can work. But I think it's going to veer more like we've been used to seeing in the past. Absolutely agree. And I think the fact that so many people missed Erica means that we're seeing a lot of people likely want to not miss Erica again, you know, mm-hmm. like, I think there's going to be a lot of people really digging through the cracks in these people. I really think one of our front people is probably going to win. Like maybe like, I don't like, I think if you're doing like primary, secondary, tertiary, Erica for a lot of that season was a tertiary character at points became a primary character. Um, I don't think we're going to be having to dig around in that tertiary section. Like this is going to be like a supporting or main character winning. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Let's jump here to our other, I think, main theme. This is one we both see all over here is the idea of, in episode one, they say, uh, I think this is an Omer quote, is your ability to survive is reliant on the people around you. And this, I think, is the story of this season, at least so Mm -hmm. far. Uh, There's so many people who are endorsing other people, right? Like, even talking back what we were just talking about, the other tribes are not saying, oh, Taku's unstoppable. They're saying, Taku's unstoppable because of Jonathan. Because of the person who's on their tribe, they are unstoppable, right? Lindsay in this episode says, oh, we got all these fish and they're huge. And wow, like, the other tribes are clearly not eating and so they're weak. That's why we're winning. But, you know, we have Jonathan, so maybe he'll grab even more fish tomorrow. Yeah, I think I have a, like, different read. Like, it's related, but, like, the relationships are much more, like, even though Jonathan is very strong, like, 
Omer, Lindsay, and Marianne all get to comment on that and what that mm-hmm. means for them and the tribe. Um, and maybe just because of proximity, but I feel like we do see a bit of this every season, but here it feels much more apparent where people's relationships feel much more dependent on what other people are doing. Like, I think a lot of what you saw in Vadi's scene at the beginning of episode four is everyone trying to find what other people mean to them now. Like, yeah. Daniel's talking a lot about Chanel. Chanel's talking about Daniel. Mike's talking about Hi and Daniel. Um, Hi's talking about Lydia. Like, everyone's not just considering where they stand, but also what other people now mean to them and look like to them. I mean, Mike is like, Daniel's way lower on my list. And so, mm-hmm. there's a bit of this, too, with the immunity challenge. Um Jeff has this really apparent line, which I don't think I highlighted anywhere else, but he talks about, like, you just have to survive the night, or if you want to win Survivor, you'll have to survive tonight. And I know kind of in my evaluation for this, I'm definitely stuck on that line as though, like, was it saying someone who's winning needed this to survive the night, or does it apply to somewhere else? But it's something about, like, you're relying on other people to get that win for you. Maybe, maybe totally. Daniel is the winner and he survives because Lydia and Chanel managed to get the puzzle done. Um, stuff like that. So, yeah. And I mean, we even have, I think, was it Daniel who said he, he only like, like survived the night cause of high his body heat or whatever. Like that's also yeah. a part of it. Right. Well, and, and he think- talks, he talks about how he needs, like a dime to turn or something and maybe the challenge win is that mm-hmm. dime turning no for sure i i love that idea for sure and i think we're seeing it all over the place right like everybody's relationships are how like it's not just oh i like joe right it's not me and joe are best pals we're good to the end right it's what are they providing me cuz we see Daniel be like, wait, I thought me and Chanel were good because I was going to blame her, <laughs> blame her for everything or whatever. And she didn't accept that. That sucks. Like you're seeing this sort of stuff all throughout. Even um, a good example on the contrary is Swati and Tori's relationship. They both say we really like each other. Uh, we're our number one allies. And Swati's ability to survive was reliant on Tori and that Tori threw her off a bridge. You know what I mean? Like used their relationship against her in a way. Basically, I think what it's saying is a lot of survivor strategy is picking the right person to be with. It's not just having the most connections. It's not just being the most connected. It's having the right people having your back at the right time. And if it's the wrong person, it could be the end of your game. Because that's basically how they present how Swati left, right? Is she picked the wrong person in Tori who's willing to cut her throat. Mike was willing to go to the end or whatever, go to go to hell with Jenny, right? That's a good alliance member. And that's why I think we see High and Mike get connected because they're good for each other. Uh, and High presented himself as a good ally. That's why Mike goes to High. Whereas Swati 
is devoting into Tori. Tori is a bad ally, and therefore you're home. You know? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we see this all over with, like, Romeo being like, Roxroy, he's kind of annoying, but I need him as one of my numbers. Um, Tori says the same thing, and so it just feels... Once again, I know this is sort of Survivor, it feels like we might be saying, like, yeah, people are caring about what other people, what they think of them and what people think of them. But, um, like, it feels so much more magnified right now. Yeah, this is not a common, like, it's a common Survivor, obviously, like, the baseline of Survivor is, who do you like, like, how to win friends and influence people, right? Like, that's basically the premise of Survivor. That said, usually it is not this front and center of what everybody's caring about explicitly. And usually it's more about the actual relationships, less about like what value is attainable through relationships. And I think that's what we're seeing. And that's why I really do think this is going to be, and I'll probably keep saying, I think this is going to be like a hive mind season. Like I think this is going to be a South Pacific or something like that, or just grabbing a bunch of numbers maybe not quite a pagongan because i don't really see how we got what four five and four i don't really know mm-hmm. how that's gonna that wouldn't work into a pagonging, but something like that like i think we're gonna get just like a big old morality alliance or something like that that is it may be the most well-rounded person of that group wins like that's sort of what i'm viewing is like these two in tandem of one of these is building the alliance. That's your ability to survive is reliant on the people around you. You even have Lindsay say Jonathan's a great shield here. Like, that's another one. Um, like, I think that's a factor, right? Is one of these is building that group, and then one of them is the the winners, the person who's in the middle of that group, you know? Yeah, and there's always this interesting play that we've seen so far where you get people like Omer and Jonathan who are... Sh- portrayed to have very different strengths and so is they're coming together is that considered well-rounded because Mm -hmm. the places where omer has valleys jonathan is making up for that and it's the opposite way around um yeah we haven't quite seen yet like what well-rounded quote-unquote means for for the season agreed and yeah we have our guesses um, but not sure at all there. And the other one that I think is interesting to mention here is Mary Ann, because there's been a lot of talk about her energy, right? Like the energy she brings, like being like a cheerleader. Obviously, we have uh, what Mariah, I think in episode two, not like the energy very much, but everybody else basically says, you know what, this is something that matters, right? On at Drea's at Drea at Tribal is obviously answering the question about the vibe. Tori says, uh, Ika does just not have a vibe, they just don't get along, they don't have a connection, right? They are just the vibe is not there. There's a lot of talk about that sort of thing, right? Um, and I think that's another part of your ability to survive is reliant on the people around you, and that if you get along well, you're more likely to do well together. And we're seeing Ika just be a disaster, right? Like, I think they are presented as a unmitigated, absolute trash fire of a tribe. Um, which just doesn't work well together. They have no chemistry. Uh, Tori's rolling her eyes every time she's talking to Roxroy. And it's so obvious they don't like each other in these scenes. But then you have Taku on the flip side being like, 
Jonathan obviously at that challenge saying we're the tightest four imaginable. We get along so well. And while people are mad at him at the beach, they're not, we need to get him out. They're silly. Jonathan slap on the back kind of thing. You know, like one of these tribes is presented as a very good vibe. One of them's presented as a very bad vibe. And then one of them's like, kind of just messy or just Daniel's a mess kind of thing. Like, it's interesting. Yeah, Vadi is an interesting sort of variable in this where they were sort of this happy family with the three even pairs and then everything exploded in episode three and they're still settling. But it is still mm-hmm. very much about what is the energy of this tribe? Like, how is it functioning? What's the hierarchy? If there is one or are people meshing well? And yeah, Vadi's one where it's not, it's not full on Ika bad, but it's not full on Taku harmony. So where do they settle in between? For sure, for sure. Um, and then we have this other one of like surviving change and hardship. Um, I think the most relevant one in this was when Mike's like either I adapt or I'm a dinosaur, and then we see him actually get to work. Um, there's been a lot of talk about like broken hearts, broken dreams. People talk about voting each other out with a level of passion we haven't seen in a while. Like, even Tori and Swati at Tribal were, like, going after each other. Like, like there seems to be, like, a very, like, a thrill in, like, crushing people's dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very much about... Because in that same scene, you have Rockstory being like, but Swati is a shy person, and she did so much to get to this point. And, like, I don't want to see that go home. So... Yeah, it's all about like what what the survivor experience means to a castaway, and then what taking that away from them will also do. Yep, no, for sure. And uh, I mean, you flagged one here on nonverbal communication. What do you think about there? I I think that's from before. Maybe I thought maybe you had uh, <laughs> flagged that one. Um. I don't know. I think we are seeing a bit of it. I tried to think of it when I saw it here on the list. So um, my thoughts here is so I, I I did think about these. So um <laughs> one would be like obviously all of Tori's eye rolls, like mm-hmm. the um so you have in last week, I believe it that's when you get Marianne kind of doing like the triangle and stuff like that in our confessionals, like uh, rocks or sorry, Romeo this week is like cue the montage of me getting yelled at by Roxroy. Like you're getting a lot of um like interesting uh ways to connect with the tv show itself that's kind of where i was going with it Mm -hmm. or like hi reading the state of the tribal um yeah in episode three like they were whispering things but it was very lots of knowing looks more so and yeah so i don't know i kind of see it there like I said, I didn't have a big thing for it, but I think it's a curious one to note. Something to pay attention to for sure. Any other thoughts on any like long-term stories? Like I think we do have a few like people losing things. We do have that's kind of all over the place. We do obviously have like our patented like um Romeo trying to make fire in episode 1 and then the next episode it's just dust and then Roxroy yells at him and then we see it again this week like there's stuff like that 
Um, but those all feel a little bit more personal, and I've become very skeptical of any of these, like, oh, they mentioned fire, must be something thing, right? Like, I feel like it's 50-50 shot there. Yeah, there were some fire-making bits. They were all related to Romeo and Roxbury, really, but, yeah, I never know what that means, and um, I don't know, I kind of thought the other way, where it's like, how Lydia got all this kind of positive challenge focus despite not being there not being good at the challenge was very heather like i was like is lydia our friend making loser randomly like i don't know <laughs> i could see it um yeah it, it could be so much but yeah i mean i don't have any other main themes here so let's jump here to the castaways and we'll start here with our reigning disputing undefeated taku tribe um which i love i think this tribe is great they're a lot of fun uh i've turned the corner i think on all of them that i was a little skeptical on and i like i i'm really resistant to say this but i really think that i mean if there is a complex tribe if that is not a dead idea which i don't think it is and i've been pretty outspoken there i think it's this one i think it's pretty clearly this one um so I'm excited to talk about them. Yeah, I really like this tribe for characters. I think they they have the highest sort of average winner equity between the four of them. Yeah. They're not my top four by any means, but I, if I were taking a bet, I had one chip to place on one of these three tribes and sure beyond Taku. <laughs> yeah, I have three out of four of them in my top five and the other one's number six. I have three out of four in my top five, but the other one's seven. So okay, yeah. yeah so very... you know, like we have we have a lot of faith in this tribe. Um, and so why is that? Let's go through the people. Um, mm. So first up, we have Goliath, Jonathan himself, uh, and I find him to be such a captivating character. And it's so weird because so much of his content is specifically about being like just an absolute monster in these challenges but somehow like that's not a character i usually enjoy at all but i really really like jonathan he's a lot of fun you can tell that like i loved him like not being happy that they called him goliath mm -hmm. it's just, he's just a cool dude it seems like yeah i think i agree it's almost when survivor gets characters that sort of just break the mold like that don't fit into like I guess the season here really, but like what you normally see. And I think at first I thought that was gonna be Marianne on this tribe, who's just radiating energy constantly and has all these moments. But now it's sort of switched to Jonathan, who is just this physical powerhouse and is making such an impact on how this pre-merge is going that it's interesting to have them both on the same tribe. I think. And I, yeah, I really find myself liking Jonathan too. I think that is such an interesting character and he plays it in a very interesting way. I think he's not, he knows it, but he's not over the top about it by any means. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the, so I was watching this recent episode with just some friends and they were crying during his confessional. Like, I think there was definitely a, a world where this, like, this is an episode where two other tribes call him out. 
for being too scary and carrying the tribe and he messes up by talking too much at the challenge and stuff like that. There's a world where this is like an over the top episode, right? Where it just he's just over the top and there's no depth, right? He's just a one note big scary man. And instead what we get, I kind of joked earlier about it kind of being like a like a horror movie villain origin, but it's actually kind of a touching story, right? Like he's he starts with I didn't like that the blonde girl, Tori, called me Goliath. Like, I, he just wants to be treated like a person, right? Like, I think that's Jonathan's story, is he just wants to be a person. I think what we saw in episode two is how he wants to be, and what almost everything else we've seen is how other people see him. And there's this very interesting conflict, because he's like, I didn't like that she called me that. And then it immediately flashes to this really heartwarming story of he's like, I've always wanted to play this game. Like, it's all I've ever wanted to do. Um, I care about serving and helping people. And I really went through all this just to get here to play this game. And I don't like that people aren't giving me a chance. It was really heartwarming. It made my friends cry. Like, like that's where, and they're casuals for the most part, like not super nerds or anything like that. And that's, I think, what you're getting from this person at large, right? Is most people are like, oh, wow, this is a really heartwarming story. And to me, he immediately goes from an over-the-top character in that moment to a complex character in that moment. Uh, mm-hmm. Because he's talking about the future, he's talking about his life, and I don't know, I'm just, I'm very high on him. I think he's probably, he's a lock for the DVD cover. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's just great. Yeah, I think to say a lot of similar things, but start from a different angle. I think an interesting, we don't often talk a ton about like the edgic chart and the ratings, but I think there's a debate with Jonathan for episode four of like, was he negative? Was he mixed? But I ended up coming out and putting positive because I think the negative bits really get overwhelmed by like if you think about omer like saying jonathan's a bit of a slop like he does not say slob he says slop with a p which is strange but um after that he says but he's my ally and he's absolutely like we cannot get rid of him because he brings so much um then you also get yeah that touching story it's presented as a touching story like we said it's kind of scary (laughs) like jonathan's dad making him do pull-ups at three is not not the sweetest thing anyone's done uh but it's presented super positively and shaped jonathan into a very helpful person like if Hmm. you think about roxroy who gets this sort of justification as to why he's bossy it doesn't sort of fully atone for that and then we just keep seeing him doing the same thing and it's not presented positively ever um i feel like with jonathan this negative which isn't really even a negative like he's just strong like um but it's not it was really well reasoned and that is why i too have him really high i think they are putting a lot of nuance into someone who can just be the big strong guy Agreed. Yeah, there's there's a world where this is a negative episode, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it's it doesn't have the second part, right? Like, think about how many big, strong, athletic people have played the game. I don't think anybody's been presented like Jonathan before. 
The only one I was thinking of, Joe, was, I mean, there's two. It's Mike and Ben, right? Those are the two winners that sort of fit this mold. And specifically, I was kind of thinking of Ben in the bamboo exploding episode, right? That's another one that was sort of controversial of, is this a positive episode? Like, right? Because it's like a bad, like, he, he doesn't react positively to a situation, right? Mm-hmm. But then he justifies it with, like, the most power. It's actually in the in our in our song at the start uh this very powerful scene of uh it basically triggering him uh, from his past and that's this is obviously a much less severe version of that but it's a, a negative thing happens or, or you know like he's called out in public and, and people are unhappy with him to some degree that's the the set dressing the real scene is where he's no this is what i want to do this is why i'm here and then the other characters that matter to him brush aside the negatives. You know, they're not, we're going to take him out now. It's Marianne's like, ah, oh, Jonathan, like, why can't you be better? You know, like, it's, it's a heartwarming story. Like, it's, it's positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the biggest hurdle is it just like, how, how does he get to the end? Yeah. Um, like this is maybe the most apparent where this person needs to be taken out because they can win so many challenges. Like not only is the tribe thinking that everyone is thinking that other tribes are too. And we've got it very overtly. So, yeah, but that, uh, so two things there, right? So, cause I think that's an amazing point. So, two things so edric it's editing and logic right you're comparing these two things and being like okay so what is so we're seeing what we're presented versus what's actually happening and a lot of what we do is determining the gulf between those two things right between those two values where's the truth actually lie what can we draw from it with jonathan it's so interesting because probably that gets shown no matter what him getting called out to some degree, right? Like, that's just something you have to do. And what I find interesting is, you're right, it's, logically, why would you not vote him out? But we actually have two reasons why he could maybe get there. Like, obviously, maybe three. One is, he wins out, right? I think that's possibly in the cards, right? Um, Maybe the least likely of these three situations. The next is, we actually get it in this episode. Lindsay says, oh, but you'd be a great shield. Well, if he can convince people he's a good shield, there's a really good chance he can parlay that into a victory. Um, And three is, and so he now has a bunch of enemies, right? A lot of people who are, have mentioned noticing his uh, skill level, his his threat level. The main two being Tori and Drea to some degree. This is not the tribe that our contender, I think, needs to be worried about, right? The fact that it's, Tori, who I think is presented as an scrappy underdog, but maybe not the most powerful, and maybe a little bit negative. Andrea, I think same thing. Um, I, I don't think those are scary contenders, but it, it gives him adversity to overcome. And if Jonathan's going to win your season of Survivor, you need to give him some adversity. So that might be a way to do it, is really ham up that. I don't know. That's one thing I was thinking of, is like, this could actually just be like the start of like Jonathan versus the world story that he's able to parlay into a victory somehow yeah i think 
however Jonathan gets there, I think you have a difficult story to tell where someone is so clearly in a sort of driver's seat where they're the front runner. And I think if he wins, he'll be the front runner throughout. So maybe navigating how to tell that story is a tricky thing. And I I don't think they're doing a difficult or a bad job. I just wonder about how difficult that's going to get in the merge episodes where it's like Jonathan wins again. Like what's our yeah. side plot or how much of the pre-immunity challenge stuff do we devote to being like Jonathan's gotta go? Um, and we and know it's... they're bad at it too, yeah. right? Like we have Ben, Mike, and Rick Devins all to point to, and I actually think all Rick Devins didn't win, uh, but you know the other two did, and Rick Devins obviously got to got to four. Uh, we saw that they are actually very bad at that because what they'll do is they'll present them as in danger, even though you know they're not gonna go home. They'll have an idol, and you still know they're not gonna go home, right? Like that's just a part of it, and. That's what makes me worried is like, I think when you look back, I love Mike and Ben's winner story. I think they're actually pretty well told. The seasons around it are bad. And that's the issue, right? Is all those episodes turn into, oh, we got to get Ben out. And there's no suspense for the audience at all. That's what makes me worried if Jonathan wins or even goes really far. That's mm-hmm. what these episodes are going to be. And that's not going to be the most fun. I don't know. And I think there's what happens is there's not fun characters in the periphery to root for like worlds apart doesn't have strong other positive characters instead it's the ones mike flipped to try to help out which i don't know i was kind of thinking maybe the way this merge plays out is the taku stay strong they grab some if not all of the people from like vati and start taking out ika but maybe it's like the opposite where Jonathan's able to survive a bunch and then like his fun, positive tribe mates, Lindsay, Marianne and Omer all get taken out early on. Yeah. And then I would say we're not in a state where the states of Vadi and Ika are as negative as what we saw. And I, I think both, I think, Triple H also falls into that trap where they couldn't build up the others as nicely. Yeah. Um, they try to yeah. Christy, Ryan, Devin, but. So. The end of the day, though, is like inherently if the editors and narrative team falls in love with a character and like think about it. So on the beach, Worlds Apart, like we, we actually know this, right? Jeff, at the end of Worlds Apart, this is sort of like a folk story at this point like gets on his knees or whatever and thanks the cast for like the best season he's ever seen right like he hypes it up so much and i bet watching worlds apart was the greatest thing ever i buy that on the beach because you don't know that he wins all those challenges right and you basically have this story of mike flipping to these rootable underdogs away from the bad people and then somehow winning all the challenges against all the bad guys um that was probably that would probably be the most captivating week of your entire life right like watching this like superhuman like it's a superhero story right is worlds apart the issue is the tv episodes it just when you know two-thirds of your tv episode is before the challenge and then he wins it and then 
every episode, which is okay, who else are we going to vote out? It doesn't make good TV, but it, I get why it would be amazing in the moment and why you then have to, Jeff Probst then says, hey, you have to make sure Mike gets all his stuff and looks really great because he's the best. The issue is it doesn't make a good TV show episode. I think mm. any world where Jonathan does really well, it's going to be that same issue. It probably looks amazing in person uh, and just not so much watching it on a delayed thing week to week, you know? Yeah. But yeah, that's Jonathan. I'm very high on him. I have him as my number two currently. Me too. And that brings us to Lindsay, who... Joe, I've raised a decent amount on Lindsay um, over the last couple weeks. Um, that would have been like the big, my big, uh, like I would have been trying to present that as a hot take last week. I feel like people have kind of, um, see. Like, I think it's more apparent now. I think Lindsay is a, a real threat in this thing. She is not that well developed. She doesn't really have that much of a character. She's a little bit, right? I mean, she's a super fast runner, as we saw in episode one. Um, she has that story with Hi and Drea, and there's a, there's a couple, like, interesting things throughout, but generally it's, like, her main connection is Jonathan, and at this point, that's very developed, and that gives me some hope that she actually has some sort of longevity in this game. What do you think of Lindsay? So last week, there was a definite increase in Lindsay's stock, I feel like, in the Jig community, who are very, like, oh, yeah. Like, Lindsay's, like, watch out for Lindsay. Like, she's always there. And I I will say this. Lindsay is the seven. So she's the lowest of this tribe, but she's seventh out of 13, which is not terrible. I still think it's quite unlikely. Like, the biggest thing going for her is that she is always there. Um, why I'm not so sold on the Jonathan connection is... It still seems like Omer fills too much of that role. Like, there should be more shift from what Omer is getting to what Lindsay is getting. Agreed. And looking at those two characters, it's one that is getting some personal content and is developed, and one that is not. And, like, I feel if Lindsay were developed like Omer, like, obviously a bigger winner contender, but she's someone I should like a lot more. And it was only this episode where she sort of really cracked the top parts of my like favorites, like who I'm liking watching. And that was almost because there wasn't other people I wanted to root for in this episode. So yeah, it's sort of shocking me that they're not giving more to Lindsay that they could be. I totally get that. And I think honestly, my only flip argument there would be, yeah, but if the theme is the most well-rounded person and you basically have, like, let's say it is a Taku domination, like, Jonathan, you know, too strong, Omer, too nerdy, Marianne, too much energy, that leaves you with Lindsay, she's there too, like, <laughs> Lindsay is the most well-rounded, right, like, mm -hmm. if you're gonna describe somebody who's the most well-rounded on this cast, it's probably Lindsay, like, she's quirky enough to get, like, do the monkey thing with Jonathan. She's athletic enough to be very fast and do good at the challenges. She's uh, nerdy enough to do okay in the puzzles and seem like an uh, okay logical player. Like, that's that's basically my cases. She's well, really well-rounded and kind of overtly positioned that way. And maybe that's the story, is it's 
Lindsay in the zoo, you know, like it's like there's Lindsay and then there's all these kooky people around her and somehow that's a, that's a victory. Um, mm-hmm. I think yeah, she I... would be a wait and see person for sure. I just have her a lot higher than I did, you know, episode three where I'm like, yeah, I don't really, or so episode two where like, I don't really see anything. Like she doesn't have any development at all. Now it's just like, there's enough and she's been in every episode with that, that this could be the Michelle, right? Like this could be that like pops in to say hi and, and then vanish. Sort of situation for sure i i mean in episode two i had her second to last right behind roxroy so she has definitely risen and i think going forward maybe my edgic failure this year or this season could be she gets a little bit of like that personal content that i think her edit needs in the next few episodes and then i'm just still really skeptical because it, why why not in the first four episodes? Yeah, and and I think your idea that everyone else is too much of a thing on this tribe is actually really compelling. So I don't know. Maybe I've now seen where I could fall into the trap, and as time goes on, and as I think the other three on this tribe sort of do not show themselves as a well-rounded person. In increasing ways, I could come to Lindsay. Yeah. As she fits better into the story. I'm with you there 100%. Like, it, for me, it's really like a wait and see for her. It's, I'm much higher on her than I was earlier because I was with you there. I think I had her pretty darn near the bottom. Um, and now I have her at least middle of the pack. I basically have her in my second tier. I have my top three. I have a kind of tier one and that maybe even more than that maybe even one and two or one but like she's in that next tier of my four five six are kind of all the same same level for me like i could totally see it i just need to see a little bit more and she's in there so Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's Lindsay. she seems cool um she also seems like somebody that could grow you know in terms of estimation and whatnot like so um like, I mean, just what I mean by that is personality wise, she seems like she will be charismatic enough to show up at the merge or whatever with some uh, w- w- and be able to get the audience on her side, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And there's also the th- thing I think I've noticed they center on her and shots in interesting ways, too. Like when Jonathan's ripping those fish apart. Like, Lindsay is actually being focused on in that scene. She is actually uh, centered there. That's also just good cinematography, but, like, that scene's thrust is kind of, oh, but Jonathan, you're kind of my shield, or what, you know what I mean? Like, that that sort of dialogue could be very beneficial there for Lindsay. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, yeah, she's she's just almost, you can compare it to, like, a Ashley or someone who's a narrator, but she is a little more present than that. Are you um, thinking Ashley Nolan from Survivor Triple H? Yes, the person everyone thinks about when I say Ashley. Certainly not. I don't know who do you think of Ashley Underwood or Ashley Ashby or I went to think... <laughs> I went to Ashley Massaro because I'm a wrestling fan. <laughs> Rest in peace. But um... Um, yeah, like almost it's a little Jeremy from Winners at War. Where Jeremy was always there, and you're like, "What's going on?" Yeah, um, no, that's a good good call. 
Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's good there. Uh, let's jump here to Marianne. And Joe, I'm actually really curious uh, what your thoughts on Marianne's uh, story here is. So when we last spoke in episode two of this podcast, I think I kind of said, Marianne's just going to be constant. Like, I can't... And now maybe, I don't know, I need to think a little more critically where I've sort of set this um, definite statement for myself where it's like, Marianne is just, her character is so interesting and so much that it's hard to judge it for where it falls in the story. And I guess right now I'm still on that path where I'm like, Marianne could win with this. Marianne could go next with this. Like... I have her in fifth. It's a very neutral position. I would say everyone below her, I would think probably not winning. Everyone above her probably has a shot. So. Wait, sorry. So everybody below her is eliminated? Not, not full on eliminated. Like Lindsay's below her. And I would say Lindsay, like, I don't really see it right now. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, it's more like below her is like, I don't see the path. This edit doesn't make full sense for me. Above her is like, there's definitely something here. There's still a way this person can logically win. Okay. So, yeah, I, I can kind of see what you're saying there. I agree with your thoughts. I don't think I agree with the conclusion because I actually have Marianne <laughs> pretty high. I could see a decent number of the people below her surprise me. Like, this is still early. And right now, this is definitely the Taku story, right? Like, it could shift. Like, this story could end next week all of a sudden, right? I doubt it, but it's certainly possible. We've seen that before, right? Like, Malolo is the best tribe of all time. All of a sudden, it's completely dropped at the merge, right? Like, that happens sometimes. Um, With Mary Ann specifically, I've become much higher on her these last two weeks. The reason for that is she's just got a little bit more game context. Because I agree with you with the idea that She's such a singular energy and personality that I feel like she probably looks pretty similar no matter where she places. And we're going to be looking at the periphery to figure out where it is. Uh, That said, I mean, these last two episodes, she's been pretty restrained, all things considered. She Mm -hmm. comes out of the gate, I would say, quite kooky in episodes one and two. That's the last time we talked. But three and four, it's actually pretty restrained and game focused, but still giving, you know, some level of personality, right? Like she still gets to show her personality and be herself, but like these are middle of the road narrator edits just with a fun person saying them. And I could see the world where if she doesn't do really well, they actually give her more kooky stuff. Because I'm sure she's doing it all the time based on how people are talking about her, her reactions, how she talks, all that sort of stuff. Like, it seems like she is like a, like an energizer bunny. And we got that in episode one and two, I would say the energizer bunny. But now instead we're getting like focused, energetic person who's a player. And Mm -hmm. I think that's actually a much better lane for her archetype wise to be a justifiable winner in the end. So that's why I have her... Uh, in my top five, I have her, I'm going to say number four here is Marianne. Um, maybe number five, four or five. I'm a little undecided. We'll see. But yeah, I just, 
I, I could see it. And I think it would be a whole lot more of sculpting her inward. I think we saw this a decent amount with Tony in Winners at War. He starts really silly and then gets a little bit less silly as it goes on. That could be kind of the archetype. My biggest cons against her, she does not come off as well-rounded or like the last season. I think I did pretty good because I focused on the stories above everything else. Right now, I don't think Marianne matches the story. She is presented as, I think, fairly not well-rounded. Like, she is a bundle of energy and that sort of thing, but maybe not the most well-rounded. And that's the biggest red flag for her right now for me. That could change, but that's why I don't have her in my top three. And there is a decent jump off from there, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right in that she's not fitting as well with the stories as well as some other people are. Even people, I think, below her on my yeah, list. Like, but it's not like she's going directly against them either. I think there's room for her to gel with them. So that's what's maybe giving me a little more leeway on her. But... Yeah, I I think you're right in that it don't like I said it almost is like Jonathan overtook Marianne as the big character yeah. of Taku and the big character of the season right now, and I think it's interesting to let Marianne have that space. And it's like the, I think there's really a fundamental question of is that good for Jonathan or bad for Jonathan? Is is that good for Marianne or bad for Marianne? I think that really sums up my internal thought. Right is like one of them is going to be the Rupert and one of them is going to be a, I mean, Rupert, that's not a good compare. You know what I mean? Like, but like, I th- I think maybe one of them will rise back up because episode one and two, Marianne was the main character. And now the main character is Jonathan. Does that mean Marianne's number two? Cause right now she's actually not presented as number two. Like, I'd say, like, maybe Tori or something is number two at this point. hmm So, I don't know. A lot to see with Marianne. I think it really depends on how much her over-the-top. Because over-the-top positive... I don't think... But they have scaled back the over-the-topness a little bit to put her more in the middle road or even verging on CP territory. That's what I'm going to continue to look for for Marianne. She's always going to be a hard one to track because she is such a singular energy. So we'll see. Yeah, I think with the OTTP winners we've seen or the winners that veer that way, like Bob and Fabio, it's seasons where... The strategy of the season got really chaotic, so here's just someone you can like. And that's sort of, I feel very much not what this season is about. It's not so focused on strategy, but it is about strategy. And, like, people are playing games, like, that makes sense. (laughs) Um, So I think that is kind of an interesting part for Marianne. But then again, if her her sort of focus reroutes after this sort of intro that's like, hey, I'm Marianne. I'm a I'm a good character for this show. Like you like to see my scenes and what I do. But then if we go on this tack that's much more game focused. Like she's found her spot and yep. 
Thompson might be like uh, Natalie Anderson, right? Like, if you remember the preseason and stuff, like, if you watch her on Amazing Race, she is Marianne, right? Like, in terms of energy and, and that sort of thing. And that's sort of how she presented very early on in um, San Juan del Serve, like, twinny and all that sort of stuff. But then by the end, like, I don't think you would describe Natalie Anderson as, like, a silly character, right? Like, she's badass and cool and, and that powerful. Um, and that could be kind of the path, right? Like, you can start kind of silly and, and edge that off as you go. Um, and that could be Marianne. And I think that we've seen enough of that that I could see that pattern remain. Mm -hmm. But yeah, let's jump here to Omer. Um this is my number one at this point. Honestly, our discussion makes me almost want to make him number two, but he's been my number one. He was my number one last week and the week before that and the week before that. Um, he just is all over these episodes. Like, he is extremely visible, giving complex content, good content, too, honestly. Like, he's, he's a lot of fun. Um, I liked when he was rolling his eyes this week at Jonathan being, like, a, a slop. Um... So, I don't know. I'm very high on him. He matches the stories well, I think. Um, my biggest fear really is just what I was saying early, like last, two weeks ago of the the nerd guy doesn't usually win in these duos, but... Yeah, I, I mean, Omer's been my number one all four episodes now, which I think is bizarre for me. I feel like I don't usually stay that consistent. Um... But yeah, I think he's just where Jonathan, the reason Jonathan is still number two is that the logic is by no means there. Where for Omer, he's sort of in the perfect spot for the logic to make sense. Jonathan is literally his shield where he can sort of hide behind. And maybe there's a reversal of that where people actually realize Omer's the, the mental threat. And so they go for him first, and that's what enables Jonathan to succeed but for now it looks much more likely that omar is the one who sort of is fitting into the mold for me so so yeah i mean how much more to say than consistent content like it fits with a winner it's working um yeah easy number one yeah no i'm with you there for sure and it's just he's presented strong like he's never really given any doubt if anything that might be the most red flaggy thing about him is like like if he wins what's the adversity that he had to overcome at this point there's nothing it's like he started in a good spot and he ended there that is definitely a genre of survivor winners right like your toms or whatever um we just haven't seen it in a while um tommy actually would be wow uh tom and tommy um but uh yeah like, like that would be who omar is if he wins right like is tommy just effortlessly kind of win survivor um i could see it that's why he's my number one he's got the best edit i think sort of just cut and dry uh the only thing working against him is i think is the archetypes here like and i don't know how to weigh it right like jonathan getting this treatment being in the archetype he is might actually be more valuable than omar getting this treatment in the archetype he is i don't know we also get a reaffir reaffirmation that him and omar Sorry, Omar and Jonathan are still tight. Like, Omar says he's my main man, right? We get a, a callback to that. That's also very good for Omar, I think. 
Um, and we get to see him have a good relationship with, uh, he's talking to Marianne, right? In that scene, so. Yeah, when she finds the idol, too. In yeah. In the last episode, he's there, so. Yeah, he's clearly playing very well. Um, mm-hmm. And he hits all the themes really well. Yeah, that's uh, my thoughts on Omar. Yep. And that's Taku. Um, very high on them. They're great. Love them. Uh, and let's jump here to Vati. And <laughs> this tribe is also awesome. I really, really like all their scenes. Um mm-hmm. And I I think they're still totally in the running for Complex Stripe. Like, I, I think, like, gun to my head is Taku, but they're not eliminated yet, I don't think. There's a lot of intrigue that could still come from this tribe. There's enough seeds planted that could go in interesting ways. So I kind of hope they don't go again, because I really like all these people. Yeah, if I spoiled that Taku was 1, 2, 5, and 7 on my contenders list, um who's left on Vadi sort of fills out the rest of the top yeah, nine. Um, there's, some, yeah. there's some real contenders here. There's people. Um, I don't see it, but I haven't fully eliminated yet. And so, yeah, well, I'll leave you to do the math and think about Ika for a bit, but we'll get started <laughs> with Chanel. Yeah. Uh, I loved Chanel this week. Like when she was like, okay, did I make this plan? Okay, yes, I did, but did I want to get blamed for it? No. <laughs> like, she's great. She's great TV. I love her. Um, and I think she's got enough foundation there that she could totally win this thing. And that makes me very excited because I think she's bringing a lot to the table. I think she's uh, a very captivating presence. Like, you can just... One thing I've noticed is, like, a lot of her scenes are at nighttime. <laughs> like... I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe she just does more game talking at nighttime, but um I don't know. I'm I'm I love her. She is on my she's in my top five. I I big fan. Yeah. I I think she's had a very interesting pair of episodes. Um three was sort of a not great. Well it wasn't not great logically. Dope. I think she I think she played not great in that episode. But I think they kind of sanded it off enough that I don't think it's like a decimation episode you know i think i am a chanel risking our vote defender <gasps> like play it play it big like i know i wouldn't so i love to see it <laughs> um but she she knew that even if she lost it i think she wasn't in the most dire trouble really so yeah i think she the benefit would have been so great but and yeah, it didn't do great. And yeah, she said, I can't risk my vote to Omer, but that doesn't mean that's what she actually was thinking. So, so yeah, I'm a super Chanel defender. She did say, I can just control this game without a vote, and then proceeded to not control the game. Yes. <laughs> uh, which isn't great. But I do think this episode sort of portrayed a very good picture where she was like, I don't want to take blame for this. And then we got people being like, Chanel didn't take any blame for this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, she's still high up there for me. She's fourth. Um, I do kind of wonder, she's sort of writing the line of whether she should be on my contenders list or not, like on the chart, but, but I still have her there. Maybe wishful thinking. Cause I do like her. Yeah, I think I think I kind of agree with you all there. Like, 
I think we saw a lot of people say like this, like her resting her vote was one of the worst moves ever. I don't think that's even in the conversation. Like, she wasn't in any danger, and you can tell she, you can tell she was running the tribe, right? Like, it just mm-hmm. Hai was able to be a worthy adversary, right? I, th- I think that's all that we saw, right? Is maybe she was a little bit too confident that she could manipulate Hai specifically. Maybe she should have voted high instead of, or got them to vote high instead of lady. I guess no, never mind. That doesn't matter because they both had votes. But you know, like there's there's some doubt there. I, I don't think it was amazing, but she wasn't in any danger and she left scot free. There's no world. That's like that's not even gonna be the worst move of the season. You know, like I, mm. nothing worse has happened so far, but I, it's not gonna be the worst of the season. And I agree with you. Like I thought. Um, I also loved the energy of, like, I'm going to run this tribe without even having a vote. I love that, what you're bringing to the table, if that's kind of what you're thinking. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm very high on her. Um, the only thing that's, like, a kind of working against her is what we're saying, is that she is awesome, right? Like, <laughs> she is awesome, so they're going to present her as awesome. Um, and she doesn't really have a story. We don't really know anything about her. Those are, like, the negatives, right? Is we don't know who this person is. That said, last season, we didn't know who the person was pretty much till the merge. Actually, going to disagree with myself a little bit there. We actually did know a decent amount about Erica in the premiere, but definitely more than Chanel. Um, but, I mean, the rest of these episodes are filling in a little bit more of how she thinks and, and that sort of thing. Um, I, I do wonder if I'm having her hire just because I like her a lot and want mm-hmm. this to be the case more than it is actually the case. Of it being there, because, yeah, like, we don't really now have her with a person that she likes. Like, her and Daniel, as a duo, I'm like, okay, I can totally see that. But now that Daniel has kind of been, had his legs chopped off, I don't really know where that leaves Chanel, and she didn't really have a new person to connect with. Yeah, that is fair. Um, Yeah, I think I'd want to see that next episode for sure finding a place within um body as it stands now yeah um yeah i think her her relationship with omer is actually good i know yes agreed lost their vote but they both lost their vote like they were both lying to one another so (laughs) like i think they'll patch up it'll be fine um yeah yeah. and the real mistake there was not just like getting omer to give you his vote you know what i mean like i'm going to tribal like I could need this, you know, like that's what you should say there. I actually think that's mm-hmm. where the mistake was done. Like they both kind of screwed that up. They both were like, oh no, like totally, I would never risk my vote. Like you're peppering the other person to <laughs> risk, right? Like that's where they screwed up. But yeah, a lot of people are not good at the um prison. Like last season was all about the prisoner's dilemma and so many people rising to really understand it. This one, they do not get it at all. Like they're both <laughs> <laughs> like garbage at it. But I love it. It makes for better TV. Like watching Chanel and Omar like crash their cars into one another it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing that's interesting, we didn't mention this for Taku, is like if they go, only Jonathan and Lindsay can vote. Can vote. <laughs> it's wild. Um, mm-hmm. I doubt they go though. So like, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like theoretically, like neither of them can leave, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's no world where either of them leave, so that's something to mention, too, is, like, maybe that's the world where Marianne or Omer are screwed. I don't know. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I mean, any other thoughts on Chanel? Nope. Interested Queen, to see legend. where it goes. Yeah. Lover. Um, let's jump here to Daniel, who last <laughs> we spoke, I believe, was our, both of our number two contender. He was my number four. Number four. So he's my number two. Ugh, he's uh, not my number two contender right <laughs> now. Um, he might be my second last contender now. So oh, that's, dear. I think, the biggest story change. You convinced me a little bit when we were talking earlier about, like, oh, maybe this is the dime that turned. Um, so maybe you're right. Maybe I'm dramatic, but three and four was a brutal back and forth. Um, <laughs> he just looked terrible. And, like, there's more mention of his shoulder. Like, why is he fishing? He can't. He keeps saying his shoulder's broken. A little nervous about Daniel. Yeah, I guess he's a good contender for, like, last pre-merge boot. Like, if we merge at 12, like, his story ending next episode makes a ton of sense, or it's this sort of really wild pre-merge arc. But, yeah, I think I, I'm definitely buying a lot into, like, what was Jeff trying to hint at with someone being able to survive tonight? And so I have Daniel like sixth. <laughs> like, oh, wow. He had really solid episode one and two. And then, yeah, it is kind of shocking to say when I've given him OTTN back to back. But I don't know. I feel maybe that's the sort of subversion they're doing this season where it's like, what if a character was actually kind of wild and then had a, a stabler merge? I mean, that would be the Adam story, right? Is yeah, and what is Richard X at certain points in the season? Like, and they're the same archetype, right? It's just they just can't handle pressure and they just completely melt down, right? Like, that's a trait that unifies Daniel and Adam Klein. And maybe that's what we see, right? Like, maybe it is just he just can't deal with it mm-hmm. and then is able to chill out and mellow out and be, you know, cooler heads prevail. Um, yeah, I maybe I'm gonna raise him because I think you're right. Like he does have more of a story than a lot of these people. Um, that's probably a little foolhardy putting him below all the Ika people. Yeah, I mean, come on, there's the Ika tribe. <laughs> so you're right. Like Daniel has just raised like a decent amount on my list. Um, so I'm gonna move him to like seven or eight around there. Um. But I really like him. He's a lot of fun. Uh, I like that. I liked the scene with him and Mike. And Daniel's like, what do you mean? It was Chanel's fault. Like, I don't know. He's just, he's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I definitely liked him more at the beginning. Yes. Like, sort of fun, generally harmless losing things, Daniel, is better than, like, game affecting. Um I don't know, not the greatest under pressure, Daniel. Like, I think one of the first things you said after episode three was like, don't ever say you don't want to go to rocks. Because then I was like, okay, well, I'm not changing my vote then. And sort of sealed Jenny's fate. Yeah. No, like, in I love that High narrated that in the episode was like, what I knew I won once he said that right away. Like this guy's supposed to be a lawyer. Like what? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also got this idea that he could talk circles around anybody. 
I don't think that's the case with what we've seen from uh, <laughs> Daniel. He might be really good at reading the law or something. I, I don't think his <laughs> persuasive speaking skills are something to be too nervous about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's Daniel. Let's jump to High, who I love. My preseason winner pick. Uh, and maybe my favorite on the season. I really like every scene he's involved in. He makes me laugh. He's smart. He's a bold player. I, at one point, had him in my top five because I really wanted him to be there. But I'm going to be honest, Joe, I don't really see it. I just think this is wishful thinking. Um, I think he's going to be a main character and maybe be very important. I just don't know if I see any sort of path his story is unless it really is like he was in a lot of danger then he makes this awesome move take it jenny and then uses that every round to continue to scratch his way up like that could be a winner story um i just don't know if it's what we're seeing necessarily yeah i unless you're ika i'm pretty low on high he's like last place at ninth in that case um yeah i just think it's a lot of wishful thinking because i'm seeing a lot of a lot of people interested in high as a winner pick but he's that one who there's people every season his edit is just full of holes like yeah not a strong premiere not the strong like he had a really nice moment in episode two but it wasn't pertinent to the game in a way that makes sense with where Vadi has gone since uh, mm-hmm. of course episode three was amazing like that was such a good scene and high played so well but then even this episode kind of didn't he didn't come off the best in a moment where i think he could have been really a front runner after this. I think other people on this tribe really look really good. Agreed. Yeah. That, and the their issue reaction. Is, no, you're totally right. Like, I think the, the real issue is that Mike looks better in that scene than High does, right? For sure. And I, th- I think you're right. And I don't want to be too critical, but I do think that a lot of us in this community, we tend to root for the nerds, the game bots, the strategists, that sort of thing. I think every season we see this bias. Like, uh, one one that I bring up a lot is like how many people like I think War Dog was the number one contender in Edge of Extinction for like a ton of rounds on the subreddit and everything like that, and he just didn't have a story. You know, he just he was he was just a guy who was a strategist. And I think sometimes, and maybe if you're a super fan of Survivor, you kind of forget that this is a show for millions of people to be able to tune on their cable randomly and understand what's going on. And they would not buy just the overbearing strategy person as the winner. Uh, that's the issue with High is he's the strategy guy at this point. He does have that really touching moment in episode two, which could be the answer. Like maybe he just sucked episode one. I think it's very possible because episode two, three, four are building a story and he is important in those. It's just not important enough and not cogent of a story enough to be there. Like the the real con against Ty is that Lydia's not on the show. Like, he just went, like, crazy to save Lydia. 
We don't know why. Yeah, I think... I think we... More than just the archetype, it's what High did in Episode 3, I think, is playing into why people are really boosting them in their estimations. Because that's the player everyone wants to be. The one who is like, I'm going to rocks. And then not even going to rocks and winning, but like getting your way. And getting more allies after. That's really cool. And yeah, I think there's enough goodness elsewhere. Like, I think he's captivating in episode one. It's not the person I think is winning, but it's captivating. Um, And so I think people are smoothing over when... (laughs) There are there are places where it just doesn't add up. And yeah, I think he's a big character, but I don't think he's winning. And I do want to say, like, I have him higher than you, and like not much. I think I have him seventh or some somewhere around there. Like you have him ninth, so not not a huge yes. difference. But I do think that is, right? Because I think we both kind of see five of these people is just not going anywhere. And I did have high number five in episode one. So while his premiere's not amazing. I did clearly see something there, you know, like I did see some sort of path. That's where he covers himself in blood. That could be a winner moment. I know that's why I highlighted him there in, in uh, at number five. Um, it's just the issue is he's right around that spot. Like he's not had a moment where he jumps above like fifth. And that's not great, mm-hmm. right? Like even like your less visible winners usually have something where you can point to them as like a, that's the reason um i just i'm not seeing it so far with high i want to be wrong i love him i definitely have a bias towards these like bold like just do it players the issue is like mike looks better and Lindsay's or sorry lydia's not on the show and it's a real hard thing to um forgive especially for someone as captivating as high right like he is awesome so why isn't he like why is his relationship with lydia not in this at all yeah, for sure. I mean, we're getting little bits here and there, but there's no expansion on... Yeah. Like, you could have a scene like, what, where High and Lydia go from here. And that's... Once again, that's not the scene we get. We have to talk you know what about what it reminds Mike, me of, Joe? But what is it? He's Ricard. That's what it is. And, like, last season, we were bringing the same drum of, like, yeah, he's cool and awesome and is a really good player, but that's not what the winner looks like ever. You know, like... I feel like that was the story the whole time the pre-merge was like, yeah, but Ricard's like not like, we don't know why these people like each other with Shannon and Ricard, you know, like we were saying that all the time. Like Ricard just doesn't give his perspective. Uh, we, we can kind of pencil it in the background what Ricard's doing, but like, he's not saying it. That's the issue with high too. It's just, he's not actually presenting his perspective on the story. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think this is maybe a place where, Chanel falters too is the reason High and Lydia and Chanel and Daniel were together is they were like, we like each other. And I mean, that was the case with Mike and Jenny too. For a season about relying on other people, we're not really developing why why the pairs on Vadi were the way they were. Like, I feel like there's a few different ways this tribe could have paired up that would have made sense based on who they are as people. And we got this one, but I don't know why this one and not others necessarily. Yeah, no, that makes makes total sense. So, yeah, 
Not the highest on high. I want to be higher, but sad face. Um, mm -hmm. Let's jump here to Lydia. I have her number nine, maybe even lower, honestly. Like, there's no world this is the winner. If I'm if I'm really into this, who is the challenge saving today? Like Lydia's another contender for there. I have her at eight, so one higher than high, which adds into why high is so low. <laughs> um You're right, she's not there. <laughs> she I mean she's sort of hmm. You say she's not there. And I think I've said that now, thinking that's true. But, like, she's around-ish. She's right next to Lindsay, who I think is similar, but, like, a little less. Like, Lindsay's more than what Lydia is. So, so yeah, I think that's why it's less apparent. I just think she's she's benefiting a lot from One Tribe, completely faltering, not having big stories but i don't know i still i still haven't eliminated her like we've got enough of lydia in the same way we've got enough of high that i'm not totally eliminated him does that right. i don't know that was a lot that was a lot of no i totally place, get what but... you're saying <laughs> and honestly lydia is mostly saved for me by because i would have her below some of these Zika people if not for the premiere and specifically that confessional that was like a time lapse of her complaining and, and stuff like that. Cause that's <laughs> enough of a memorable impression. And like, she has enough in there where that's the case. The issue is like, she's visible there in the premiere and she's completely gone in episode two. And then she's there in a big way in episode three. Cause she's in danger and she's hustling and she's captivating there. And then she's gone again. Like, she was almost voted out. She doesn't mm -hmm. speak here. <laughs> like, I'd like to, okay. I'd like to reevaluate your sort of arc of Lydia. Cause in episode two, she was not there other than the challenge. Yeah, she, she was, was so yeah, memorable. Great. And then That's in episode three, she's not there except to be like this humongous target in the tribal council where she gets a lot of content. I'm realizing I have her as like a four visibility, which seems really surprising, but she's talking a lot at tribal council, obviously trying to save herself. And then yeah. in this one, yeah, she's not around. She's just poor Lydia. But then Jeff is like, Oh, Lydia's trying her best, which is a very Heather thing. Yeah, and Heather didn't win, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Heather didn't win season 41? I know, I know. That's like, that's what's weird to me is though. It almost I can see her going her, far. Yeah, it gives her longevity. And it's like the Heather longevity aspect plus like the Erica winning aspect makes me not put her in eliminated. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. For me... If you so last time we talked, I was like, I think she's gonna leave next. Uh, that almost almost happened. Um, <laughs> but now I think she's going deep. I I think she's probably one of these people that pops off in the merge in like a big way. Um, just that's not the winner. Like you know, maybe she could have the Erica story. Like maybe maybe she goes to 
because we know Hourglass is back, right? Maybe she goes to Hourglass and flips the game and changes history and wins. <laughs> I don't know. But I, she needs something like that. She needs like a huge pivot arc because right now she's got no story. And then she almost got voted out. And like, I don't even think it looked like she saved herself or anything. Like, it looks like like it's presented that High saved her completely and entirely on his own, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they're not even like, oh, their great connection made him want to do it. It was just like, he decided to save this random person. And so he did. Looping back, you said Hourglass is back. Are you, is that sort of like, format is the same as where you're thinking that? Oh, I I have no idea. I just know that Jeff said, like, it's the same format, right? I'm curious that they're going to bring back Hourglass. I think it, it is a possibility, but I wonder if they'll have a similarly weird merge twist well i mean based on like i remember because danny called him out and he said they're gonna rework it so it's not gonna be the same thing Mm -hmm. thank god right but it'll it's my guess yeah i I guess i don't know what's gonna happen but something i assume there's gonna be a similar merge twist okay i just i was confirming like i don't know if that was known information that you definitely knew or like no uh, it was a guess no, it's anyway. literally because, I mean, so literally the premiere, Jeff says, is the same format. So that's how I'm viewing it is like, and we haven't had a swap, right? At some point it was a little dubious. I don't think there's going to be a swap. Um, So I'm thinking we're getting literally the exact same format, maybe with a couple twists on what we're doing. Like, I think we're also going to get do or die. I think all that stuff's going to still happen. Um, They might just change specifically lying about who wins the challenge because that's what made the cast mad. Okay. Um, anyway, my, what I was thinking about Lydia is sort of how we're seeing her, someone who is there, but isn't, and sort of thinking of of this, and maybe a world's apart lens, she's very Sierra Don Thomas, fan favorite game changer, Sierra Don Thomas Anglim, um, in that she's kind of They got married? They did. Congratulations. (laughs) And they've had a child? Maybe two, a second one on the way. I don't know. Uh, There's some dubious things in in what they're doing now. But anyway, she it's very similar in that she sort of has popped up um, when she matters, but goes away. And then I think if we start to get the the person against whoever is um, the mic, likely Jonathan they would fill this similar sort of role. Well, they're not the worst, but they're not great either. And so I could definitely see that happening for Lydia, a solid fifth place. Yeah, that's actually a good poll, I think. And I think she is somebody that totally tracks as somebody that will be, and she's charismatic. Like she's really funny. So I I think that might be why she's not on the show, to be honest. She is really funny. Uh, and it, Survivor it can be funny, but I, they usually don't have, like, just funny characters. Like, at least those characters are still trying to be serious or whatever. And Lydia's just funny. Um, so, I don't know. That might be kind of what's happening, is, like, <laughs> everything she says is just very funny. So, maybe why she's getting a little bit invisible. Um, but, and she's really not invisible, right? Like, shouldn't misuse that word. Like, she's in the show, she's just the least visible of everybody. Mm-hmm. So that's something. Um, but yeah, I think she's going to go far. She'll probably be a lot of people's favorites. Wouldn't be surprised if she sneaks onto people's 
winner contenders list at the merge or something. You know, like, because if you look back, it's really, oh, she's actually been there the whole time. I could see people thinking she's an Erica, so. Well, yeah, and I think, and I'm sort of stuck in the Worlds Apart mode right now, but I was definitely a Sierra supporter almost in that I didn't want just Mike to steamroll to the end. I was like, well, Sierra's not awful. <laughs> and I, yeah. I really love Sierra. Uh, very UTR fun, like, archetype. So, yeah. I, I, I did not I, care I'm, for Sierra. but <laughs> I'm hoping I won't have UTR fun lenses on and can see past Lydia. Like, she was very low in episode three. Like, in a terrible episode for Daniel, like, she somehow was lower than him. But... I don't know. This this Jeff line really got me thinking, and I think mm. also an assessment of Ika, like a fair and honest one. I mean, really. and if anything we learn from 41 is listen to Jeff Probst, right? Like, he will tell you who's winning. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, any th- anytime you notice anything like that, like, I love hearing it, because it's like, oh, yeah, no, like, that's who you gotta listen to, because They've really gone into full, like, tell the story to the audience mode. Um, and we haven't got that so much this season, right? Like, we haven't had that many, like, Jeff narrating the story. It'll come, but... Yeah. Haven't got there quite yet. But that brings us here to Mike. And I think it's really interesting the break we took um, from last week. Because I think we saw last week Mike not look the greatest, right? Like... Episode two, he doesn't look like episode one. He's amazing. Episode two, that's where he loses the idol and stuff and look very mm-hmm. silly. Um, and I held, held him on at number five there. And then he has another week where he looks a little silly, but still kind of good in episode three. And I actually kept him number four. I don't know what you did there, but um, in episode three, yeah, sorry, in episode three, I, I I'll let you keep talking because okay. I, I think. And then this week, I think I. I think come out of the tunnel of like, I think we're done with silly Mike. Like, I think we kind of had like a two week, like episode two is very silly Mike. Uh, and then episode three, it was kind of silly Mike, but getting his uh, footing. And then this week, I think it's like, and silly Mike is over and he's back into winter contender Mike that we saw from the start. Like it was almost what we saw. Joe was the arc of in episode one. He says, I need to present myself as more fun. Cause I look like a dick basically. Um, and people are going to think I'm a dick if I don't present very nice and funny and silly. And I think we basically saw that arc happen right after. Mm-hmm. Until now we're at where Mike said he was in episode one. Yeah, so I guess I can reveal this is the last piece of my contenders. So Omar, Jonathan, Mike, Chanel. And it was the same for episode three. I thought we sort of thought in two that that preview of Mike losing the idol again was not going to be the greatest. But what happened was it really spun on to Daniel for it not being the greatest for him because he lost the components, it seemed like. Yep. And so that plus, I think a really nice, like for someone who lost their main ally, like I think he had a really nice episode three. And then episode four is this amazing point where he's like, I need to readjust, I need to focus. And then there was this tiny bit of, like, reaffirmation where he's like, I want to work with you, hi. And then they have that, like, nice moment when they are done swimming for the challenge. So, yeah, I he had a really stellar episode. I mean, it's hard to beat out Omar and Jonathan right now. 
but he's right up there. Like he's close, closer than I maybe thought before. Yeah, same. Absolutely. And he gets to also summarize the tribal. Um, his confessionals are awesome. Like he's such a good character. Uh, and he really is what he said. Like he really is like the gruff looking dude who's actually really funny and sweet and, and charming and everything. And I love that it's him and high. I think that'll be a fun duo. I actually think that will remain a strong duo and also why I'm lower on Lydia. Like I think that Lydia's number one ally is high. And I think high's number one ally will now be Mike. Uh, so that's another not great thing for, for Lydia. Well, but, and I also think as like a strong three of them, like if they're your final three, yeah. like people voting for Mike, people voting for high. Yeah. Lydia's there. Good job, Lydia. That's Daddy, I, maybe that's yeah. what they're going for. Good job. Lydia edit. It really could be, right? And, um, yeah, and, like, I really loved, like, I loved his confessional where he's, like, either I adapt or I'm a dinosaur. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no kumbaya. There's no K. There's no umba. It's just holy crap by That was just really funny. Like, and one of those confessionals that totally would be a winner. You know what I mean? Like, and you could totally see the Jeff Probst recap of, like, Mike entered the game wanting to make sure people thought he was really likable, and then he found himself in a little bit of danger when he lost the idol, and his number one ally Jenny left, but he was able to reestablish a good bond with High, ditch Daniel, and move on forward into the merge. Like, that's the story, right? Like, you can easily see that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm very high on him, and, like, 100% with you. Like, if it wasn't for, like, in a different season, this would be my number one. It's just... The fact that I think Jonathan and Omer just look a lot better. Uh, otherwise, I would have him number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just so much story with Taku right now. And they're building up two really strong contenders in Omer and Jonathan. And they sort of feed off each other where it's like one of them is winning. But I think it's more. Is the story one of them like Taku or we're defeating Jonathan as this end boss and that person who comes out on top is Mike. That's the thing is like, we don't know where the story's going and like Jonathan could be the merge boot. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like if that happens, what do we do? I don't think he would be. I think he's probably in there for a long time, but like, where do Mike and Jonathan fit together? Where like, I don't think we have an idea. Um, and there's not, like, last season it was even easy to kind of see, like, okay, well, we lose 6 out of 12. So what do mm-hmm. you do there, right? There's no tribe that's going to be giant here at the March, right? Like, they're, they might even all be the same size. Yeah. And I really don't know where the, the baseline would even be there, right? It's hard to even suss out where the groups are going to be at the merge. Um, and all that stuff is not great for Mike, but uh, the fact that... Uh, you know, he has an idol. He gets to continue talking about it. Uh, and people don't know about it. I mean, Daniel does, but um, it, it's interesting. And I, I I really think that he is somebody that is likely to be there deep in the game either way, whether he's a winner or not. So it gives him a lot, a lot of uh, potential for sure. I think I think I'm going to switch my order. I think I'm moving Mike above Jonathan. I sort of convinced myself in what I said and thinking about it. I think the story does either go, it's Taku succeeding. I think at some point still Jonathan gets out and Omer wins. I think the second most likely thing is maybe 
Taku gets taken out early, except for Jonathan. Jonathan is defeated and Mike wins. And so I think both of those are more likely than Jonathan truly doing whatever he can to get to the end and winning. So, yeah, I would say Mike second. Interesting. I don't hate that at all. I think it's not a bad read. Like, I thought about it as well. Uh, But I'm sticking where I am. Yeah, it's and he's a good character. I think he would be a good winner, too. Mm-hmm. And he fits that well-rounded theme, too, right? Like, I think that his idea of... He has that relationship with Daniel, of, like, we know he's not the numbers guy, but I think in a way we saw him kind of rise above that. Like, maybe you don't need it is, is a way to kind of say well-rounded. Um, so, I don't know. Very high on him. Yeah. And I guess just a brief goodbye to Jenny. Rip Queen loved you. I think in contention for one of the most robbed ever. Mm-hmm. I think a really nice edit for someone who got sort of in this situation. Um, yeah, but definitely um, I would love to see her back. I don't even know if it's like, I guess it would be second chances, but like almost just like try again like <laughs> just, just put it season yeah right like it just it's so interesting it's so many things had to go wrong for her to leave like so many mm-hmm. people had to lose their votes the specific people had to lose their votes the spe- she had to get the vote instead of mike and the unanimous decision rule had to get retcon so it was only voters all had to happen for her to go yeah like if Jeff just says all, because it's always just been the people who don't, um, have votes on them, like who aren't in the tie, come to a unanimous decision. From the looks of it, it looks like Mike would have gone to rocks, which means Jenny would have been safe. Um, in fact, we didn't see that, and all the lost votes, and like there's, and the fact that I switched yeah. his vote to Jenny. All are the reasons she left. It's just wild how much had to go wrong for her to leave. Mm-hmm. So, Rip Queen, legend, uh, put her on the next season. She was great. And I think knows she was robbed, right? Like, um, <laughs> just sad all around. Yeah. Um, and that brings us to the wonderful Ika tribe. Um, this might be a rough section. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was sort of one where I don't hate them as characters. I liked some of them in this episode, but they are like very clearly to me, like 10 through 13. Like, just no one has a really complete, nice, put together story. I would think it's almost better for them to have been Luvud like they were in episode three than the variability we see in this episode where none of them are really coming out totally on top. Yeah, they looked better in the invisible episode for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I like I did not have them spoiler alert last week. I did not have them all bringing up the bottom when they went to tribal, though. Oh, I did. <laughs> 
but uh, mm-hmm. some of them are less low than others. Like, I don't know. It's 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 a weird try. It's a weird season where I think a lot of these people are fairly even. So even though I think this is looking at my list, they're all at the bottom. I don't have them all eliminated. Uh, I have a number of them eliminated, but I will try to convince you on everyone. <laughs> okay, that will be fun. All of them are eliminated. No one else is eliminated. All of Ika is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that brings us, I'm interested in one. Like, there's one person on here I'm, I'm, I I think will be a fun debate. But let's start with Drea, who <laughs> has, I, I think is way more fun than I think we thought she would be. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Drea so much. Same. She's a lot of fun. Uh, I love that she's like, I'm going to calculate it in my brain. And she clearly picked wrong, right? Like, Tori's clearly playing her. It's a fun, dramatic irony that we know that. Um, but, like, what's her story, right? Like, it's, she's there, and she's trying to make a tribe work together, and they're not, right? That's her story. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a world where she flips to the other tribe and wins. She has no consistent see. Like, she has targeted Roxroy. She wanted a girls' alliance. Then she targeted Tori. Then she went after Swathi. Like, it, it just doesn't work out. And I mean, she's she has two advantages. She has an extra vote. She has the idol. And she is not... Oh, yeah, she does have the talent. For someone right? I like so much, I wish I could put her above 12th. But somehow she is... Drawing the deadest for someone who's not named Roxroy. Yeah, no, that's um, I'm she's in the same spot for me, and yeah, I don't have much of a defense. I mean, I guess so. Okay, so we don't think she's winning. It's you know over whatever. Her story of trying to kind of build this group. Do you think it's working? Do you think she's a long term character? Where do you like? Placement-wise, where do we think she's going? What's her role in this season? That is tricky. I think she's here in the merge. But... I don't know after that. I don't think, like, Final 3, even. But... See, I think she could flip. I think think there's no way she works with this group of people at the merge. And I think she makes the merge. So, to me, that means she's going to flip... Which means this might be a dynamic dynamic merge situation. You know what I mean? Like, if Ika's just not going to work together at all, which I do not think they will be, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, that means at least three people, right? If they, they merged at 12 last season, is that right? Uh, Yeah, the fake merge. Yeah, the fake yeah, the Sydney fake got merge. out. Yeah. So, if it's the exact same format, that would mean one more person leaves. So at most, or at least three people, I think are going to be entering this merge with no connection effectively, like three rogue agents. And that's all going to be Ika. I think Dre's going to be one of them. And I think Drea and Taku seems like a very natural connection. Yeah, I, I think that's possible. I'm, I'm confused whether like Ika or Vadi is the one that sort of breaks apart and goes with Taku. Um, could be both. Yeah, Ika seems more likely. I I don't know. I feel like Ika could also just like try to make it work and not realize. Yeah, as much it as could Vadi. be that too. Vadi has people who seem more aware that they need to 
find other places to go. Yeah, it could also be like a voting block. Like we really don't know. Like my guess is it's a group season. But maybe it is voting blocks. I don't know. But yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like I think Drea is going to take a back seat in terms of character at the merge. And probably just be kind of slotted into a group. Like I don't know which one it would be. My guess I feel like her and Jonathan seem like they would get along. Yeah, possibly. Like and I mean her she Jonathan has... Lindsay. Well yeah, she has a potential work together thing with Lindsay and High. Like yeah. if they decide to pursue that. So Yeah, like maybe these tribes don't matter at all. Like if if that's the case, then I think Drea's in a pretty good shot to get some good prize money. Um so yeah, I don't know. That's I guess that's Drea. Uh any other thoughts? Nope. That brings us to Roxroy. Who, Joe, is my number one contender to leave next week? If, like, if the merge is at 12, I don't really understand how he'd be in the merge. Um, to be honest, like, he just does not feel like a merge character. Unless he's the merge boot or the Sydney or whatever. Like, he's just a disaster. Like, he just seems genuinely very bad at this. Um... Someone who is our preseason favorite, but... Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of thinking Vadi goes to Tribal Council next episode. So that would mean he is technically Dang. merged, but maybe he's like Sydney merge. Like, I think him being in 12th makes a good bit of sense. So. Yeah, yeah it's just like the scene with him and like everybody has talked about how much they don't like playing with him. He's got a little bit of justification, right? Like, but. Then he then he said he was gonna fix it and he hasn't. Right? Like mm-hmm. every week we get like a dunk on Roxroy section. Um Yeah, like it just seems like he's really out of his element. Like Tori goes to him and is like I mean, is the worst pitch ever. Like she looks like she is getting a needle, being like, Oh wow, I wanna work with you so bad. And it's like she's like getting like a <laughs> lobotomy as it happens and uh but I mean, he's he immediately rats her out, right? Like he doesn't even consider the option. Mm-hmm. It seems like she was at least sincere, if not miserable, about the offer. Um, it's just it's just wild, you know. Yeah, I think at that point, truly, Tori and Swathi wanted to work together and would have worked together, <laughs> but <laughs> Rockstory kind of ruined it and drove them apart. But, yeah, yeah. Just know, like, I don't know. It's shocking to me as for someone who. We were so high on preseason who seemed to have sense and stuff that everything about him has been this, like, early survivor, like, survival is the most important thing, like, no sense of how to how to play the game. And he's only really lived by the other chaos that's been on this tribe. Yeah. It's like, we don't need to get rid of someone who is just kind of annoying and wants to work on the camp. Yeah, it's it's seriously, it's like he's like just he's just there as other things happen, right? Like he doesn't even vote with the group this time. Right? Mm-hmm. He votes Tori. Which um, yeah, which is really useful for Drea and Romeo because it avoids shot in the dark shenanigans. Yeah, no, for sure. Like it, it literally seems like just Dre and Romeo are just running this tribe and Rock's Roy's just there. Um mm-hmm. and like we've gotten no indication of like anything positive, you know, like it's not even just like that 
he cares a lot about the camp because you can't even get yourself into like a Bob the Builder story, right? Because the story isn't he cares too much about the camp. The story is that he cares too much about the camp and it doesn't actually do anything, right? Like this Romeo is like, do the um, montage of Roxroy telling me what to do, but not even really saying anything. He's just like, pick mm-hmm. it up, drop it, tie it better. Like, like he's just he's just commanding instructions, but doesn't even seem to be the shelter guy. He's just barking orders. Yeah, it's like Ika's so discombobulated anyway that him trying to work on the camp isn't helping. You're right, Romeo is dealing with it, but it's all framed through his game perspective. Like yeah. it's not making their life better. I think, yeah, sort of Drea's stunned silence at the Vibe of the Tribe question plays into this, where Roxroy's not helping, like, and that's so apparent. Yeah, like, they want, do you remember, I think it was episode two, they wanted to vote him out for being too tired in the challenge, like, mm-hmm. and then everybody's like, wait, no, that's, that's stupid. Like, like they, they just, he's just there, like, waiting to get voted out, basically, at the merge, right? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe he sneaks into the bottom of an alliance, though, like, I would be worried with someone like this that maybe they could sneak through uh, once you actually bring them there. Story-wise, I don't see it. I think story-wise, he'd probably be the vote. But just like this placement, like Keith Nail made it very far, right? And and he could be a Keith Nail. Yeah. Uh, Well, I don't know. I was kind of lolling around in my mind the potential for like how in the wildest of ways would this win is it just like a total reversal and it's just so so far from reality it feels <laughs> well the the path where he wins would be what we're saying right is the chaos of everything else it's just rock Troy's always next and then he ends up there at the final five and he's got a family right like and then he explains away all his messy behavior with i'm just so used to being a dad and i have a hard time talking to younger people like you know what i mean that would be the path um so I could see him being a losing finalist. Very easy. Uh, yeah, like very easy losing finalist or early merge. Like that's where I see him landing. Mm-hmm. So let's jump to Romeo. Um, and this is the one I'm interested in, Joe, because this is the one I don't have eliminated. I could see Romeo winning the season. And maybe that's a wild crazy thought at this point but i really could he he's been pretty solid throughout we've got his perspective i don't think he's like you know who he is and you like him but i don't think he's a big enough personality like a marianne or something where you're like he needs to be on the tv more you kind of get it right like he's got the his fun little moments you know what angers him you know he's a good player you know he's a super fan you know his backstory all that stuff makes me think he could totally win. He's just yellow to me. All these other ones are red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is existing like hesitancy on him. Um, I really don't think his premiere was that good and made sense with the story. But you're right. Throughout, he's been though like he's sort of taken Swathi's place as the one that could make sense. I think for me, given what Ika looks like. Um, I think he's the one of them left most likely to be on the DVD cover, but not yeah, 
not the winner. Well, I actually don't even have him the highest on this tribe. I mean, <laughs> I have him eleventh. Uh, um, I don't know. It's like he's a big character coming up, but I don't know. Maybe if he also has like a life changing hourglass twist would be his best upshot. But yeah, and to me, the real weird thing is like I think theoretically he can win. The issue is, like, what happens when your winner does not work with anybody on their tribe, right? Like, we sort of saw that with Erica, uh, but not really. Because, I mean, she was working with Heather the whole time and Deshaun to some degree. Uh, but with Romeo, like, I think his winner story would be, like, he immediately is just a rogue agent there flipping, being messy, that kind of thing. Like, that's where I could see him being, like, a main character. I agree. I think he does have DVD cover. Uh, potential. Um, I think he's not the only one on this tribe, actually. I think this tribe could have two or six on the DVD cover, and I would not be surprised. That is true. Um, I think he's the one who I haven't seen the potential for it yet. Like, okay, gotcha. I mean, obviously I'm seeing the potential for the potential, <laughs> um, but nothing actually occurring. Right, he's still waxing and waxing off. He hasn't uh, done the the, the the cobra kick or whatever yet sure uh yeah I, i'm with you there and i actually like him i kind of like his approach to the game where he is just like yeah whatever i'll let Roxroy boss me around like who give who cares like um it, it's a cool energy and he's a lot better than i thought he would be preseason. Yeah. uh so i don't know i'm i'm interested i mean now that swathi has literally been voted out he's by far been in the best position on this tribe the entire time. Like, I don't yeah. think anyone said his name when before we thought he's just a character. He'll probably be voted out pretty quick on this tribe. Andrea said everybody else's name, right? Like literally everybody else's name has been in. Andrea's been in danger. You know, like mm-hmm. everybody, everybody's not only had their name said, but been in danger at some yeah. point, except for Romeo. Yeah. It's clear he's running the tribe and he's, he's a competent, strong player. So, um, if you have him high, I wouldn't, I, I totally get where you're coming from. The real issue is he just, I don't think it's even possible for him to have relationships like at this point. So it's weird. Cause like it's a knock against him. Cause he has no relationships, but it's also like, who's he going to talk to? Right. Like that's why I think his handling or how he was handled around Zach was weird where it was like the one relationship he could really make work. Oh yeah. Skinny and... boys didn't and like got follow-up on it but still like was that enough to be like yeah. oh well i couldn't make this one thing work so nothing works on this tribe so i don't know i will probably be a little irrationally skeptical of him from here on out but and it's clear he's yeah. important right like i yeah. i would be very surprised if he left at the merge or whatever i think he's he, i think he's a long-term character for sure mm-hmm. um yeah any other thoughts on romeo no, I think we have a exciting one. Yeah. To... So, Joe, Tori's really good on the show. Uh, unfortunately. I really like Tori. Yeah. <laughs> like, this episode was really good. She's, like, honestly, she's she's pretty fantastic. Um, Her eye rolls are great. Like, she's so expressive. She's making the DVD cover, like, 100%. Yeah, like, her... You can tell she knows the game and yeah. 
we I think we talked about this either maybe the premiere or in the preseason thing that never came out. But we are worried at how someone who knows the game so well, how that will affect what they say and how they interact. And it I can't say it's been the best for her game, but it has made the TV all the better. Um she just it goes really like hard. <laughs> like um her inner like her interaction with Swathi at the tribal. Like I saw people being like, she literally gaslit Swathi. And I was like, that's kind of survivor sometimes though. Yeah. Like like she don't... did and she had to or she didn't she would have left right like, like i get you people may not like tori but like like i don't know i want to view like we talked about how we needed to view tori fairly as fairly as we could yeah. and i think now we're getting to a weird point where we're like wait <laughs> like there was a point where it's like wait she's a winner contender and now it's like wait she's a good character yeah like i don't know it's no it's i'm yeah, I'm with you there for sure. And it's it's super weird, right? But yeah, she's great. Like, she really is a star. She comes off the TV so well. Like, she honestly, I think, I think if you just ask casual fans, like, she's probably their favorite, right? Like, she's oh, a scrappy well. underdog. Well, I mean, she's a little, <laughs> she's definitely villain vibes. Like, she's definitely, like, I think it would depend on which kind of fan you're asking. Um. But, like, she's a good underdog, right? She was in danger. She saved herself, right? That's cool. And she explained it well. She did well. She actually put in the work to do it. Like, it, yeah, it was you, pretty cool. You have to ask the right type of fan, though, because I think people are being like, she stayed over Zach and now Swathi, who are much more fun, nice characters. Like, she's definitely the closest we've had to Angelina. Like, yeah. if they swapped positions, I think we would say, very much that Angelina was a Tory, like a Tory Agreed. is the er example of it. Um, but yeah, and I I enjoy that. But no, I, I love Angelina. People, yeah, a lot of people are like, "This is not a nice person." <laughs> Get them off my screen, and they're getting that from the show, which is <laughs> yeah, welcome, I guess. No, you're totally right, and I think that's what's interesting, right? Is they are presenting her pretty authentically, right? Like it is, she cares so much and she's skilled, but there's just something about her that is going to have a hard time winning a jury vote, you know, like, and you're right. Angelina is a one-to-one comparison, I think. And it's weird. Cause again, like I do know this person, I'm just trying to treat them just as the TV character. And uh, like, yeah, it's, it's hundred percent who she is. And Seeing the authentic um, desire to do well. Like, I loved her confessional where she's like, you know, and, and this is something that people say a lot, right? Is, you know, I planned on just being like the nice under the radar quirky girl and I don't have that luxury. I actually have to fight and kick and scream and squirm. And she does it. Like, she's everything you want in a TV character. Um, so I've been really loving her and it's like, you, you, you can't really say that, you know, places, because uh, immediately it turns into who she is outside of the game. But mm-hmm. in the season, she's great. Like, she's a fantastic character. And uh, it's it's just uh, it's weird. I think she's definitely going far. Um, she's got and honestly, if she wasn't didn't have that negative tinge, like 
she would be a winner threat, right? Because she has a very clear story from beginning to end. She's been brought gone to every episode in a, except for that one uh, in a major way. There's a consistent through line. She matches the stories pretty well. Like, right. Like she's like, uh, quote unquote, like pretty girl who's actually smart, right? Like that's kind of her, or maybe smart's the wrong word, but like geeky, that's kind of her story is like, she's the super fan. You wouldn't expect is I think her story. And that's been consistent throughout. So on paper, she looks like a winner threat. The issue is like, <laughs> she's rolling her eyes at Roxroy and like being super rude to Zach on the way out and stuff, you know, like in SWAT, like that's the issue. It's like, she is a villain. Um, you know, villains yeah. can win. Like poverty won when she was doing the cry face and stuff, right? Like that's who she kind of looks like. Yeah. I think, I have her eliminated, but the way would to be just, like, crank up the redemption of it all. <laughs> like, you've got to make her more likable. Yes. Like, I think that was the thing about Angelina, is there was, like, rationale in what she was doing. Like, she came across as negative plenty of times, but, like, I could at least see, like, why she was doing these things. Right. Um, I feel like Tori is just, a lot of her stuff is just too negative without something to back that up agreed and i think a lesson i took from david versus goliath is like i love this type of character and the soccer moms in the midwest don't you know like mm-hmm. and that's who they make the show for um not me so we might be able to be like yes angelina queen like we get the irony most people don't and so that's why most winners are presented as like vanilla mcnice people like um <laughs> that's what that's what you get uh and tori i just don't i don't know if she can even morph into that you know like she is quirky she is a little offbeat and i i don't know what that means for the future right it could be a lot of things but either way i think she's here for the long term and i think she's here in a powerful but for the long term i think she's one of our main characters of the season and I think because a lot of people know her or know of her online, she's getting a lot of short shrift from the online community in terms of that stuff. Um, cause, cause of you know, fairly obvious reasons there. Yeah. There's a totally different question. I mean, I am not sure it's related here, but like talking about like how uh, judging reality characters, like based on, like what do you what are they doing outside of it and like i don't know can you still appreciate them like or um like is it okay i don't know it's it's a big question that i i i can't answer right now (laughs) i need to see more from tori i guess 100 percent same and like my stance is honestly like these are just people like the reason this show works is it's 18 random people from different walks of life you know or 20 or whatever Inherently, you're going to get some people you disagree with on some big things, right? So, um, that's how I kind of view it. I think I'm probably in the minority of the online folks in terms of that, but that's kind of how I view it. Um, as long as they're not mean and nasty and or or anything like that on the show, it or even on the beach or whatever, um, like that's a separate conversation. I think than like we fundamentally disagree with something in the past or whatever. But I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll. Things considered, like she is a pretty awesome character. 
I find myself rooting for her when she's on the screen. I actually really like the I'm a, I'm a sucker for the nasty like sassy side of her in terms of like real good job on the puzzle buddy and and, and that mm. sort of stuff. Like I actually really like that cuz it's it's not that mean spirited. It's just like she's dramatic, you know? And I think that's what we get. And yeah, it's it's adding like a flair to the season. Yeah, that's like, missing otherwise, honestly. Like, she is the mm-hmm. one bringing that energy. It's, like, thoughts people are having, like... And she, for the most part, she, like, does it where it doesn't affect her game. But, yeah. I don't know, people, I think, are seeing it as, like, oh, how could Tori do that? Like, like she's doing it, like, not in a way to hurt her game. She's making it compelling television. Right, like she actually has this skilled ability of like the scene with her and Roxroy. Roxroy's above ahead of her, just like narrating to himself, and she is like fully chewing the scenery, but he can't see it because he is looking ahead. Like mm-hmm. that's an art form, like being able to roll your eyes and not get seen doing it. Like, like that's really skilled. Yeah, think about how much everyone loved that Tiffany and Xander scene from last season. Yeah, where like Tiffany is. Not honestly doing as great a job, but like she thinks Xander can't see it, and it's it's hilarious. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, Tori is like this. Tori is like the same vibe as Tiffany, Angelina, all that sort of stuff, right? It just those people were not known going into it, and I think that's why we're seeing this such a weird reaction online. To be honest. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I like. I think people are going to like the people who really, really can't stand her being on the TV show, like. They're, they might not like this season much because I think she's going to continue to be there in full force for a long, long time. I don't know. Um, I don't think she's winning, though, because I do not think she could win a jury vote to save her life. Yeah. I, well, I'm not so convinced that she couldn't win the jury vote. I think it's just that she's too negative right now. I mean, uh, yeah, she's too negative. Uh, yeah. Make... Uh... <laughs> Make Tori sympathetic. Tori's gonna go to uh, Bottle Beach. Uh, what? Oh, uh, okay. Hourglass Island. Hourglass. Yeah, sorry, not bottle. Hourglass Island. <laughs> I don't know. Hourglass is kind Beach. of a bottle. It's a bottle for sand. Could be Bottle Beach this year. It could be. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just. I. And like, realistically, she's being set up as like a boss or something like that. But like, it's weird because she's an underdog, right? In a lot of ways, she kind of looks like Kelly Wentworth. But, like, evil Kelly Wentworth. <laughs> yeah. So, huh. um, I don't know. I, I think she's really funny. Like, I wouldn't put her in my favorites, because it's like, you want to see her struggle, but, like, get out of it, right? Like, barely. I don't know. And it's, um, like, a lower episode on, like, people I actually like their content, but, I don't know, I would, st- I, Tori is my third favorite, so, in this episode. Yeah, cool. Uh, and that brings us to Swasti. I'm, I'm very sad to see her go. Um, queen, legend. I, I was really hoping a, she would go yeah. further. It's very important for this season because I think she was the one I was really high on from maybe Ika and her sort of having this almost villainous turn and falling sort of dropped really the rest of Ika to you. Um, but I think it was a really nicely told story. Like I said, there's a lot of subtlety to it. 
um i think for casual fans it's really compelling but then for people looking closer it was like oh is swathy a winner contender like what are all these little scenes and then you really get this cool payoff in the end where it's like oh everyone thought she was a player and she went home pre-merge yep yep no for sure uh and and i i yeah and like the 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 sad part here and so you know like the jacob derwins and zacks of the world are obviously like your nightmare like that's what you're gonna come off like how you're gonna be but like swathy's almost scarier in that she didn't even mess up much right and like three conversations she and and she even says it in her goodbye or whatever right where she's like like just a couple moments at the start i messed up and that lost me credibility on day seven or whatever they're on you know what i mean like it seems like those conversations where she was saying you're my number one were like really early and you can just screw up there and then no matter what you do even though everybody trusted her going into this round she's the she's the vote vote and that's like what's beautiful about survivor but also scary about survivor Yeah, it's, I don't know, she's an interesting one where I think almost she didn't mess up. It was just that the other people on the tribe, not Roxroy, <laughs> just played their cards really well. Yeah, like I think and specifically Tori, right? Like Tori took yeah. her out. Mm-hmm. Tori did yeah. like gaslight and take her out, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that's the thing is sometimes it's not doing something wrong. It's not doing enough right or not being aggressive enough or whatever and that's ultimately what her mistake is right like it seems like tori like browbeat drea into keeping her basically like when swatty's like what are they talking about they've been talking for a real long time that's clearly where tori stays that long conversation with drea yeah we talk about i mean tori having previous experience with like sequester and stuff and like what tori did is exactly what you would expect someone with that kind of experience to do yeah to like when they're in this dire strait, just like take all the game pieces and don't give up, right? Like best they can. And it worked out because I think Swathi thought she could just coast. And instead it, she got it, the rug pulled from under. Yeah. And what's interesting is, I mean, clearly they told Swathi in some way, right? Because at tribal, she's like, I think I'm going to go like going to take the blame for what Tori did. Right. Like, there was clearly some communication to Swathi what just happened. Maybe it was Roxroy. Yeah, possibly. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, robbed. Not as robbed as Jenny, but still pretty robbed. I mean, I don't even know if it's robbed. It's just you didn't play in the game you needed to be playing. Like, it was good on paper, and, like, it's probably well-rounded. Um but in this specific need, you actually needed to be a 10 in ferocity. And that's what made Tori survive over her. So mm-hmm. sometimes you actually do have to be the villain to stay. And that's what I liked about what Tori brings, right? She is like, whatever, I'll be the bad guy now. Like, <laughs> I wanted to be nice, but I have another gear too. Yeah. But yeah, so that's uh, that's the episode. That's the Ika tribe. Um... And so this is probably going to be the last pre-merger. Who's the next boot, Joe? Person is pre-merge, right? Yeah. Is that what you meant? Whatever. That... I think the next boot is Daniel. Ooh. 
That would make a lot of sense. I think that... I just think it's gotta be Roxroy. Like, I just... I have a hard time seeing him in the merch. So that's I'm gonna go with Roxroy. That's fake merch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's very possible. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let's go through our winners. Um, do you want to start, Joe? Sure. So, I have a top four. Um, fourth is Chanel. That's probably it. Hanging on too close. Um, third is Jonathan. Second is Mike. A last-minute surge to second, but Omar, still number one. Has never not been number one. And I have also switched mine around a little bit. So, I'm going to go with number five, Chanel. Number and this is probably realistically not on the chart for Chanel, but number four, Marianne, number three, Mike, number two, Jonathan, number one, Omer. Still eerily similar. And honestly, so. Joe, I'm like super close to putting Jonathan one. Like I just I'm not quite gonna do it, but close. Mm-hmm. It's a real close one and two. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's our episode here for this week. Um, any thoughts on the next time on? Was there anything juicy from there? Um, apparently, Marianne and Jonathan get into a big fight, which I can't trust the preview for nothing, but that would be very big for both of their edits, potentially. Um, right, maybe they're fighting over TV time. I mean, yeah, Daniel. Well, I'm just... the main character. <laughs> Daniel apparently re-dislocates his shoulder, maybe. I don't know. It seems like he goes off on a ways. And then, I don't know. I thought something weird was happening on Ika, but something weird's always happening on Ika. Yeah, like, the only reason I think you might be right about Daniel is, like, the fact that it came, like, his shoulder is way too focused on mm-hmm. in this season. I'm like, maybe he does just get removed before they go. I don't know. But... Yeah, uh, I hope not. That would suck having two medevacs like effectively. Like, yeah, it's only a couple votes. That would suck if you're like Jenny or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's our that's our show. Um, we will post this on Reddit. We always love all the feedback, comments, nice nice thoughts. Um, feel free to leave us a review on the Apple iTunes Store. Uh, I we we always go look through those. Um, and they definitely help us a lot. They help our reach for sure. So definitely, uh, go over there. If you're on Spotify or whatever, instead, definitely review there too. And if you were watching um, closely, and we'll clue. be back Got next million week. Got check written already. I mean, I'm, yep. I'm the winner. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. girls are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can. And then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either going to win.